Hello everyone, welcome back to Spar and Brawl. I hope you're having a decent day and happy new year. So we're back with the first episode of the progressive world for this year. And starting now, we're going to be numbering these episodes for better or for worse. But yeah, besides that, it's going to be more um, as what you've been expected and seeing until now. So we're going to start with a brief rundown of what we have for today. And you can, of course, find timestamps down below so you can jump to your favorite sections and please like and subscribe if you haven't. So first, we're going to start again with the, you know, there's been a new elements that then added new angles, but also previous ones of the ongoing beef between Jenk, Anna and Jimmy Dore. So we're going to be discussing the new aspects has to do with you know the ongoing virus the movie <laughs> don't look up and other elements related to it then we're going to move on to this article by the guardian which you know talks about how people are losing their attention and talks a lot about social media and how that's the main culprit so we'll get into that it's kind of funny article then glenn greenwald about two weeks ago had a pretty good guest on i would say mm -hmm. for this kind of topic on bitcoin he made a, quite a nuanced argument about the value of Bitcoin. So we'll get into that. But I had a few questions that if I was talking to him, I'd um, want to ask. But yeah, it was really good stuff there. Then we're going to move on to our progressive geopolitics. So I think we have some of the best progressive geopolitics content that we've had in a while. So we'll talk about Build Back Better at first, then switch to this great video. I mean, I found it to be really great. Aaron Matze did on the Gray Zone with this ex-Pentagon advisor. And it's funny, I don't know, are there actually like rational people like him in the US government and military, or maybe there are a few of them, or once they retire, they show their rational side. I don't know, we'll discuss that. Katie Halper had Rania Kalil on, Kalik, sorry. <laughs> she went to Ethiopia, so we'll be talking about that. There have been a lot of developments in Kazakhstan. So I don't know if Sam, you just want to mention um, brief sentence but i know there's been protests some protesters have been killed as well so if you don't want to add anything besides that we can just talk about it once we get there and then as well as some usual developments about surrounding middle east iran israel that we talk about then after that we're going to move to our quick hitters section so a bunch of little little um, progressive from the progressive world um, YouTube kind of world stories that we're going to be talking about. So Chris Hedges and Kyle Kalinske had some nice back and forth. We talk about that. Thomas Frank was on Useful Idiots, which was Matt Taibbi's, one of Matt Taibbi's last episodes. So we'll discuss that. And then, of course, the switch to Aaron Matte. Great replacement there, I guess, if you ask me. Katie Halper also did a video, a New Year video with Jamie Heck. Nomiki Kunz. Heck. Jamie Heck, sorry. Nomiki Kunz, Peck, I believe. Peck. Peck. Oh, sorry. Peck. <laughs> I thought you said Heck. Um, Nomiki Kunz. Um, again, I'm not sure if I said her name right. I watched one or two videos with her and they talk about the whole YouTube world also and criticizing this person and, and that person. I didn't really know her too much from before, but watched one or two videos. So discussing that. Breaking Points had a poll that I believe I'm not the only one this time who found this poll to be, <laughs> to be kind of pointless in every single way possible, but maybe others would find it uh, useful. So it's a funny one, but there's also the main comment under that poll kind of, I think, backs <laughs> my take. But then uh, Breaking Points had a uh, much better segment on Peyton Oswald and his apology for taking a 
having taken a picture with Dave Chappelle and having been friends Patton. with him. <laughs> Patton. <laughs> for having been <laughs> friends with him for 34 years, which, you know, is just absolutely ridiculous. And then finally on Instagram, I found this picture, Bernie Sanders from, when is it from? I think, is it from? In the 70s. Yeah, uh, I had it. I don't have it right here on my 78? phone. 78? Yeah, 78. <laughs> and someone asked them, what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> or what's your Christmas or New Year's wish or something like that, a newspaper? And it goes on a typical Bernie Sanders kind of, you know, um, gives a typical Bernie Sanders answer. Let's put it that way. But okay, unless I've, I think that's all we have for today, Sam. So yeah, there'll be timestamps down below and please like and subscribe. All right, Sam, so let's get this party started. So we just, we've decided to do a little bit of chit-chatting sure. in the beginning of the episode. So I hope we don't bore you guys too much. But as I mentioned, timestamps are down below so you can jump. I think it will also help us to get into the flow of it. I've, I've come to realize that sometimes the first story isn't as good as the other ones because we kind of just go straight to it. So Sam, how are things? <laughs> what have you been up to? I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah let's yeah yeah let's talk about the new year i suppose so uh last year ended that's yeah. <laughs> one thing and then new year started <laughs> now what you've been up to i i i'm i well i've been watching a lot of shit and uh, i watched righteous gemstones they're righteous gemstones it's fucking fantastic it's a really fantastic um show so you know that's what i've been up to pretty much well i guess i mean i think people could probably tell from my last few or last few videos that i've been on this kind of pretty long extensive holiday you can say like visiting <laughs> yeah visiting my my wife's family in brazil and i'm still here it's coming to an end we're planning on flying back earlier but we couldn't change our flights well we could change our flights but the cost was ridiculous and yeah, and I think I've been responsible for like half of aviation's <laughs> emissions during this <laughs> time period. During this time period. <laughs> and it make, and it just makes it clear how like only like I think it's like 10% of the world's population based on this 2018 um statistics uh take have took a flight in one year. So only 10% of the world's population and you can kind of see, yeah, this is the same people always traveling around and responsible for those. Like, you. Yeah, 2.5% yeah. of emissions by the aviation industry. Wow. And yeah, one funny thing that's been a bit of an inconvenience, I have to say, Sam, but maybe you're more used to this. But when you live in a when you're in a country where you can't drink the uh, tap water, bring some logistical <laughs> it brings some logistical issues especially when you don't have those big tankers like if you have that big tanker then it's fine but now yeah. i always have to be like oh shit do i have water for <laughs> for tonight or well, for tomorrow? i didn't but for, first of all i've never been to like no i have actually been to a country but in 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 like like in Iran, in Dubai, in Turkey, in all these countries, you can drink tap water, from what I know. In Dubai, I don't know, actually. No, in Dubai, Dubai you, you couldn't. You definitely couldn't. But, uh, but in but, Brazil, that's surprising to me. 
Yeah, no, in Brazil. It's rained like. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's not apparently the worst thing ever, and you can have some, but I believe everybody drinks tap water or has their the little pumps. But in Switzerland, where I live, you know, just tap water, and it's a great blessing if you yes. ask me. It makes life <laughs> really easy. And in Canada, of so, course, uh, it was the same. In the U.S., it's the same as well. Yeah, same. Some some people put filters maybe on the you know on the the fridge thingy that mm-hmm. you have cold water coming out. But yeah, usually you can drink tap water. It's pretty cool. I but don't know why you. I don't know what you meant by you made because, more because, about this. Because in Iran, I remember clearly when I was a kid until like maybe the late '90s, early 2000s, only tap water. But after that, like kind of bottled water. Um, it, that you was know, a, was introduced was a, to my life. Yeah, that's kind of like your air travel, which you disclosed yourself. Kind of betrays <laughs> our background. It's it has nothing to do with the quality of tap water. It's about the you know bourgeois lifestyle changing. And really, all that, I think interesting. Yeah, but yeah, in pretty, Evi, there is a great documentary about Evian and how they started marketizing water and bottled water. And now we know uh, some studies, we don't know for sure, but some studies are showing how actually it could be dangerous because of, you know, because of plastic packaging and all that. Mm-hmm. So I think it has, it had more to do with bourgeois lifestyle and mineral water. And uh, nowadays there's all these oxidated, it's yeah. like they put more oxygen in it, which is, I mean, I'm not no scientist, <laughs> but it does feel a bit dodgy, the whole science of it. But yeah, I, I think that's more to do with that. Yeah, I mean, so someone can correct me about Brazil. So maybe you can drink it more commonly. And yeah, maybe it is in fact exactly what Sam is saying. But I mean, in Europe and Canada and stuff, I know at least for sure, you can 100,000% drink tap water. And especially in Canada, there was this company, uh, Dasani or something. And one of the main things about Dasani. it. Yeah, I think Dasani it's Dasani is Coca-Cola. Yeah, the sun is Coca-Cola, Aquafina is Pepsi. And I believe I remember people used to say that's literally tap water that, you know, they just put in a bottle and sell to you. It's like, yeah, Evian, I think it was the same. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's idiotic. Anyways, but yeah, but, and then uh, yeah, that's wow. That, no, I had no problems with water. Actually, I've been swimming a lot, so that's nice. I, I not only not, I think I feel like we are both just disclosing how we are fucking up the environment, basically, <laughs> and using way more energy than we are. We yeah, are. So yeah, I'm just. Yeah. But soon I'll yeah, be and back. Sono, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm. Yeah, it's it's been. I'm trying to think. Oh, I watched the Matrix one. Have you seen uh, the new Matrix? Oh, there's a new Matrix, like number four or something? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's been out for like two weeks, two, three weeks. Oh, no. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, it was terrible. It was, oh, okay. uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it had some good ideas in there, I think, thrown in there, but they just, it felt really cartoonish as well. It mm. was really badly for, you know, Wachowski's, I was very disappointed at how badly it was like, it felt really so unoriginal considering, anyway, it was very disappointing. So similar cast and like directors and that kind of stuff. So it wasn't like a... Uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, I for Carrie Ann Moss, Carrie Ann Moss, the main actress, they, uh, Trinity, they come back. 
but everybody else is pretty much recast except the one sort of I think side character, the French guy from the second movie. Do you remember? And third movie, the French it was like a rogue program or something. I don't uh, know. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, yeah, they Morpheus and all that had changed. Okay, but, but uh, yeah, that's yeah, it's it, and oh, same director. Well, one of the directors had returned. Mm-hmm. Let Lena Wachowski. So yeah, but so, yeah, uh, yeah that was disappointing. I see. Yeah, so yeah, and I'm still working on the Jordan Peterson stuff, and yeah, so that's not fun <laughs> at all. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, well. In terms of that terrible. kind of content, I watched Sopranos again for the millionth time. Watched season four recently, and then Elizabeth Holmes' The Verdict came out there. So I listened to the last episode oh, nice. of the Dropout yeah. podcast twice. It was fun. But yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, she was found guilty on four of the charges. And yeah, we can talk about, I think today's podcast is going to be really long. So maybe next time um, I can do a little thing and tell you what can happen next and stuff. Because they're waiting with the sentencing and, you know, she can appeal. Appealing and all that. Yeah. So she might become an informant a bit if she wants, you know, because there's still her partner, right? Who's going to, her former partner who's going to be facing trial. So maybe... Maybe she'll provide oh, yeah, some. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of, you know, people were saying that could be a possibility. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But she could provide some information. But all right, Sam, let's move on to Jenk, Anna, Jimmy Dore, and yeah, kind of her first yeah, sure. <laughs> story. So there are a few videos. I mean, one of them was, I think, from a week or two ago. And Jenk and Anna had this other host on who was kind of sitting right in between them i i like did you by the way did you watch the video that caused the rugged man to be invited on the young church no. his video with the rugged man with tim pool no no oh my god that's on itself it's just a fantastic video tim pool do you know tim pool yeah he's yeah uh, I, I don't know, by the way, why does he, like, a lot of people were balding wear hats, you know, and all that. <laughs> but I don't know why he does this. Just, it makes you look like a penis, man. Don't do that. It's, it genuinely makes him look like a penis. But anyway, but yeah, he's like losing his shit over the fact that he's been, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's the funniest thing. He feels like he's been racially, like, uh, unjustly. Uh, he's been racisted upon is that can you say that i don't know know. he's been he had clashes with racists at airports and then the rugged man just dismisses that because it's ridiculous he looks just like a you know average white person anyway it's that video on itself is quite funny and that's why he got invited so it's like young turks are basically they're, they're doing segments about their beefs now Mm-hmm. people who yeah. they have beefs with or you know <laughs> they don't like it's quite yeah it's quite odd i see and okay really sorry about this it's internet issues and it might actually prevent us from doing the full podcast today but um, we'll see how it goes so yeah they invited him based on that and the beef that he's kind of i mean based on everyone's beef i guess with tim pool so they found a good good person to to invite on their show i guess yeah yeah i guess I mean, it was, yeah, it, I mean, I haven't seen the full show, so I'm not quite sure if they discussed real issues or not. But, uh, yeah, I, it seemed that, yeah, they invited him to make fun of Tim Pool, which is 
fair enough, you know. Yeah. I there's a lot of material there again, especially with the hats. It's just he looks like a South Park character, basically. He look he looks super he looks like Cartman as well when he gets angry. So yeah, the whole thing is just really fun. But yeah, and then but then he made the mistake of trying to like bring truce to some yeah. other people like between Jimmy and these guys. And then, yeah, then, I mean, you go ahead, tell them what happened. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's like, yeah, why can't you guys just be friends? And then, like, Jenk and Anna just, like, blow up. And then, I mean, two things that just stood up for me. One is that, like, Anna says that, you know, no, I won't. This guy has been sexually harassed. He sexually harassed me here for years, right? Every day. Every day. She, she said. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I don't understand how, you know, if, if how you can make such a statement like that and not like follow it up so i mean if that if that's what happened and you know jenk was your boss you saw that you know nobody yeah, did anything jenk about it actually he was friends legal. with them then yeah i mean exactly so have there been investigations now like i'm cons- if that is true i'm concerned for the other people now females working at young turks are they also have things changed i mean you know you just throw this bombshell like huge thing there and you know fine maybe back then you couldn't do anything about it, but now have things changed like not addressing it whatsoever and of course what Jenk says after that is just like <laughs> we'll get to that but... <laughs> yeah it was such a yeah it was such a every day you know it was such a harsh allegation yeah it, yeah it, it kind of undermines other allegations even more than they're already undermined. But yeah, Jenk loses it and he calls Jimmy the B word a couple of yeah. times <laughs> in a way. He's very much, it's, it seems like with Joe Rogan, with Jim, he wants to do a fight. He's really interested yeah. in an actual physical fight. Uh, that's what it seems to me. But he's, yeah, it's just, he's so funny. He just gets red and starts shouting. And that's, I mean, you hinted at the second thing that kind of caught my attention is that, you know, your co-host makes sexual harassment allegations and right away you followed up with the B word. I mean, I guess we can <laughs> debate what that, if that word, you know, is how, you know, how good it is, how it bad means, it is yeah. as a word. But at least also Jenk at least is fully transparent. So I appreciate that. You know, he didn't try to <laughs> say a word like, you know, so this kind of criticism couldn't be made. At least kudos to him for being fully transparent and just going straight away calling him the B word nonstop. <laughs> it was quite funny. Uh, but, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was a quite intense. It felt, I really ba- felt bad for the guests, the rugged man. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, you just met, it was like being at a family gathering and trying to, you know, like there's an aunt and an uncle that, you know, <laughs> don't like each other. You're trying to mend, you know, things. And then it just got that explosion. You know, you know what? <laughs> Let me tell you the whole story. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, thank you. So, yeah, it was quite a... Yeah, but, you know, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, but surprisingly, though, there was no response from Jimmy. Usually he does respond. So that was quite surprising. Yeah, he didn't respond to that. But you're right. I mean, they want to pick on fights with people. I mean, then they made this other video where they talk about, you know, how Jimmy claims that, you know, the the CIA or like CIA backed people or like YouTube are, are kind of coming after him. And then Anna, like 
after a few minutes, she just brings in Aaron Mate. And I'm like, Aaron Mate had nothing to do with Razor. this story. Yeah, but she goes to Aaron Mate. Aaron Mate no. had nothing to do with that with that story specifically. And the way she hates Aaron Mate, I like, I'm there has to be something that had happened. She hates this guy so much. She kind of hates him as much as she hates, like it seems like Jimmy Dore and others. And like the Jimmy Dore one, I mean, you know, she's talked about where her kind of hate from him comes from. But the Aaron Mate one, she hates Aaron Mate so much too and just brought him into this story based on nothing. He, he hasn't been talking recently about this stuff. You know, they had their thing last year, but as far as I know, I mean, at least. I guess she's was through Max Blumenthal and the Grey Zone connection, I assume. But that's a bit But, unfair if you ask yeah. me, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do, I mean, begrudgingly i do agree that you know cia is not wasting its time you know propping up or they are i'm sure they're doing some intelligence work online and bullshit like that and they have their plans or whatever but i'm 100 sure they're not specifically i'm not 100 sure <laughs> i'm pretty sure that they're not specifically going after you know jimmy Dore or you know Uh, any other specific or like you know I, our growth hasn't been as good as we expected i feel like it's uh, probably it's because of that i mean i assume they changed the algorithm to you know to you know suppress anything that is controversial which pretty much means everything in politics yeah that is especially on the left but i doubt they're going out of their way targeting a specific people specific people in that sense yeah i mean i think overall they they don't really favor like you know non-mainstream sources of news too much that seems to be clearly the case but then some seem to you know be able to do well i mean breaking points brought in all those subscribers relatively well uh, relatively quickly um jimmy Dore himself jimmy them himself recently has been gaining new subscribers he was kind of stuck around the 800,000. now he's close to a million or perhaps he's surpassed a million so maybe there's an overall thing and you know like um maybe there was this other video talking about so that um let me get her name here so you know nomiki kunz and um what what a host they were also talking about this and you know saying that how they're not oh, gaining God, any new was... subscribers and youtube is not showing their content to to too many new subscribers and stuff. And like, you know, I feel sometimes our stuff are not being shown to new subscribers that often. Some of them I look and it's shown like 70% of their subscribers, but some are shown like to 50% of people who aren't our subscribers and they still don't subscribe. So I think <laughs> we, have to, I have to take, we have to take some of the blame too. That I guess we're just yeah, not that good. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we're not that yeah. good at interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps yeah, as, we, as we hope to be. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but then again, yeah, I do think like it's a business, right? And as mm -hmm. a business, you try to avoid controversial topics and try to avoid, you know, public media heat and all that. So it definitely, of course, they're going to, you know, their algorithm is going to favor, let's say, I don't know, a thing. Like, it's like movies. Why do they make more PG movies mm -hmm. than R-rated movies? Because they make more money. So, you know, that's it. But 
the David Dole Nomiki no Kunst thing was so, oh my God, these people are, I mean, uh, I mean, it was like the, the imbecile meets the inept, like <laughs> fucking hell, these guys are just uh, beyond, I mean, David Dole is just, he's a complete idiot. Like, I'm sorry, but he seems like a nice human being generally, I, I assume, but he's an idiot. Uh, and uh, like, they literally are talking about making free speech mean, means tested, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and uh, Nomiki Kunst specifically goes after Kim Iverson from The Hill. Yeah, and uh, I just don't understand why, like, she calls her conspiracy theorists and all that. Without saying anything, know? without backing it with even one thing. So I don't watch their content often. And I'll actually link to the specific video in the description box. So maybe before she has mm. elaborated, but yeah, she calls them a conspiracy theorist yeah. and, and that's it. And just moves on. And by the way, she, she last year, she did a thing with Katie Halper. Uh, she did an interview with her. And in that one, she was also, uh, she was basically, I mean, in my view, she was being bad, I suppose. <laughs> being mm. bad, that's, but yeah, um, she was pushing the Josh Fox bullshit, uh, like uh, allegation that, the documentary that Michael Moore made was mm -hmm. uh, uh, like uh, was a misinformation or disinformation and was taking Josh Fox, who, by the way, I don't know how that guy is still not like completely like he was he there are all these allegations of abuse uh, he's had against him. And somehow he's me too proofed for some reason. He's like Biden. He still manages to have shows and comes on shows and all that piece of quite a piece of work anyway i'm not too familiar so, with oh he's the idiot who uh, makes documentaries about climate change and mm. bullshit like i mean he's a complete yeah he's i i despise him. i really despise him. but uh yeah so she i mean she has a history of just and she was by the way she i mean there are all these bits about her talking about libya and how libyans are so happy that americans have freed really them from the stop <laughs> it yeah no no it's uh, everywhere i go in libya it's just people telling me how fantastic how fantastic thank you for targeted <laughs> targeted destruction of our country but yeah uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just, and then, yeah, they're talking about means testing free speech, which is so, I mean, it's so funny because they are idiots as well. It's like, you can't really argue they have ill intent because you can see the, their brain working. Yeah, if you are, have access to a big platform, then that means you have response. It's like yeah. a Spider-Man, if, you know, with <laughs> yeah. bigger responsibility. Yeah, and it comes, uh, with power comes responsibility. And then, yeah, I'm sorry. And by the way, David, though, Canadian, he's got such a Canadian, like, stereotypical accent. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you can't. I'm sorry, you can't have that platform. Man. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just you idiots. And then their idea of doing a telethon as, like, Jesus Christ. That I really think. got to me. I mean, the last Joe Rogan part really got to me. But yeah, I mean, they start off with talking about, you know, how YouTube is, you know, not helping them out, like restricting their content. And then they move on to people who like they want their content to be restricted, you know, like people like Joe yeah, Rogan. Exactly. And then they're like it's Spotify. So yeah. And then she draws a parallel between Spotify and the New York Times. And she's like, you know, back in the day, we used to fact check people, you know, Spotify should you know, fact check. Times, yes. I, but I mean, I mean, you know, you're allowed to be wrong. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you're allowed to be wrong. And, and Joe Rogan, whatever he and says, is- I mean, he's, he's shown it. He believes what he says. So he can, he's allowed to believe what he wants and be wrong as long as it falls under the overall free speech kind of framework that, that the U.S. has had for, for a very long time. The guy is allowed to be wrong. I mean, you're allowed to be wrong. It's not, and having no, a platform does not I think, give you a responsibility. That also, I totally don't, you know. I agree with you. Yeah. No, no, but it's more than just being wrong. Look, there are things you can be wrong about, hard facts, right? But when it comes to goddamn politics and when it comes to economics and social sciences, it's mostly soft facts. Mm-hmm. It's mostly interpretation of facts, right? So, like, there is no wrong and right on a lot of issues. It's just you don't have, you don't agree fundamentally, you don't agree. And that was the worst thing about that video. It was, don't you get a whiplash from just suddenly going, talking about how YouTube is restricting your uh, videos to yeah. talking about how YouTube should restrict <laughs> other people's videos? It's just, like, you know, how do you do that? It's just yeah. your you must have snapped some uh, it's ridiculous i mean they are just so ridiculously transparent that it's uh, that's why i don't think they have any ill intention they're just complete imbeciles <laughs> like genuine imbeciles but uh, yeah it, it's it's again yeah i think you're right that of course first of all you can be wrong second of all uh, it's just there are lots of issues that you're gonna have disagreements and Sadly, I mean, I would love to live in a world where people agree with me, most people. Yeah. But it's just, it's not going to happen, guys. <laughs> Get over it. Yeah. yeah and very, very. I mean, the other very small thing that, I mean, that's very small in the video that kind of got to me, but you mentioned it. They talk about how YouTube keeps on showing us to the same viewers and to the same subscribers. And then she's like, why don't all of us like YouTubers get together and have like, videos at the same time but I was, I was thinking well you're just gonna again be doing oh. the same thing you're gonna again yeah be you're the doing same if, people. If, so, if, anyway that's oh that's my fine. god <laughs> again you're that allowed to be more, wrong <laughs> yeah i think that was more out of desperation because i did look at her videos and views and stuff just i clicked because it had been a long time and all that and she's not doing that much better than us which is like she's which is pretty bad considering we are doing terribly yeah yeah like she's doing like twice our views or three times our views which for somebody who is a former representative of bernie sanders to the dnc and all that i was quite surprised at her and she has like all these oh shit she has all Mm -hmm. these uh famous uh people on quite a lot so it was surprising to get some viewers off of like young turks and all that so i see but yeah, anyway, what more to talk about here? So we had a few more things. There's the movie Don't Look Up that Jimmy Dore kind of brings oh, yeah. in. I love the movie. I don't know what was your... Uh, yeah, no, I, I, really, I really liked it. I mean, especially I found it really, really entertaining in like the first half. I mean, I told you I loved that first Oval Office scene when you see Jonah Hill for the first time, and it's just absolute amazing. bonkers. And the way they're thinking about things, and you know how something can be an issue and how something cannot be an issue. <laughs> and then, what university oh. are they from? They're from like the University of Michigan. And uh, oh, <laughs> then, uh, I don't even remember. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like a, yeah, it's not a 
It's Ivy not an Ivy League. So. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. <laughs> and then and then like the the person who's like in charge of you know the government person who's with them, who's like in charge the, of like defense, uh, a space defense. Yeah, head of yeah. A space defense something. Yeah. So he's like, oh no, they have a really good program in this area, and he just like completely. <laughs> <laughs> no but it's, it's really so good. good and i mean nice. and you see i mean leonardo like changes throughout the movie you know kind of like the fame and stuff sells it, out yeah you get to him and he comes back and then but yeah i mean jimmy Dory thought that it was about covid19 and to be honest i also got the same impression that you know maybe that is the issue that they're, like the metaphor was about that issue but I think you could apply to kind of any issue. But then you mentioned climate change and other no, mentions climate change. I think it, it is true that it yeah. makes more sense for it to be a metaphor for for climate, climate. change. I it guess. was clearly yeah climate change uh, metaphor. And I do think I'm not sure, but I do think the work has started before COVID yeah, or at sure, the beginning sure of COVID, did, yeah. so they couldn't see uh, no. everything. You know, so I'm not. Exactly. they've been anyways, promoting this movie for like a year already so like i'm sure it started way before yeah and uh, yeah but the thing was like it was so one of the greatest things about the film was that actually that you never find out president is a republican or a mm-hmm. democrat it's, it's never stated specifically but it's kind of both it's implied she's basically could be from either it yeah. doesn't make any difference because you know she has that picture with Bill Clinton mm-hmm. hugging her, <laughs> and she's not completely like a you know complete uh, sort of crazy person. Well, she like becomes Trump. a bit towards yeah, the end. She increases. Yeah, yeah. There are no. There are even from beginning. There are like she talks about the smoking thing and mm-hmm. all that. But she's like it's not like you know there is the Jonah Hill figure, which yeah. is uh, her son, who's like chief of the staff. I think <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> so good. yeah it's about yeah i like yeah i didn't get the criticisms from jimmy doran and stuff that yeah it's villainizing one group against the other and all that it's just i don't know it felt yeah, very it like didn't... unfair and it, yeah. to be honest just you didn't really get the movie or watch the movie properly it felt like that it felt like yeah it didn't yeah, I heard Jimmy Dore's criticism through like second hand or something. Like, you know, I didn't hear him directly, but I it seems it to be Jackson. Yeah. yeah, it seems like that's what they were saying. Yeah, I didn't quite get that. I mean, he, he is right that like the sign, I mean, because I guess scientists now, you know, but I mean, not all scientists are saying like, you know, the kind of dogmatic thing about COVID either right now. You know, if you like read some of them, they are they're far more nuanced than you know what the impression you would get from different tv channels and all this so and he's a scientist there is no yeah no but there is no i don't know but there is i don't think there is any the movie doesn't take any sides they're not villainizing like republicans or no no not in that sense they're just no no they don't yeah Yeah. no i'm just saying they're villainizing officials and the fact that they manipulate uh, you know everything to their own benefit to their own very short-term benefit and corporations as well right because i mean i mean they oh, were yeah, about the to Apple solve guy. the issue right yeah i mean they were about to solve yeah. the issue and then they call it off and then they weren't able to solve it because oh, of corporate God, yeah. greed. The whole, 
Yeah, the whole Ron Perlman character, the guy who is uh, like this ex, I think he's ex sheriff or something. And <laughs> God, there's that scene where he's making kids exercise in White House. Yeah. Come on, you lard ass. <laughs> he's from a different Ron generation. Yeah, it's so good. And they're like, isn't he the guy who said some like, I don't know, racist stuff? And he's like, yeah, but he's got a great voice. And it's yeah. just so good. He's got a great voice. They don't even need a human pilot, <laughs> but it's just because it looks better. They're going to put him there. It's, and then it's fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. I must say they one of my least favorite was the Steve Jobs character guy. He yeah. didn't. Like they were trying to, I think, mix uh, Peter Thiel and uh, Steve Jobs into one, sort of. But yeah, that was the, maybe that was a bit, but it was just overall, it was so good. It was. But yeah, so and again, they showed like, you know, he was probably the most powerful person there, right? Whenever he called for yeah, the president's yeah, yeah. name, she <laughs> ran out of the yeah. room and she was like, you yeah. know. Guys, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Oh my God! The part where he would smell the hair of the one of the scientists, the one of the scientists that was working with him, she was giving a presentation, and he was like, <laughs> he was so he was okay. so separate from any normal human. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, the whole thing was fantastic. It was, yeah. and it's great that David Sirota and Adam McKay. Man, I think Adam McKay, Christopher Nolan was my favorite director. But now I think it's Adam McKay for sure. He's just so good. Yeah, I looked up who he is after you said that. He's done a lot of those comedies, right? The famous comedies. Yeah, and, and uh, like two of Big Shorts and Weiss, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, no way. Ever. True, wow. Uh, but and yeah. Talatega Nights, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, the only thing... I would give like Jimmy Dore based on a little bit what I heard is like, yeah, they make the scientist is is the hero in the movie, which again, I mean, I don't know, are we supposed to vilify all scientists, like, you know, all scientists, bad people and That's, stuff, so I don't really his, get that. I mean, again, protagonist does not equal hero. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to idolize every protagonist in a movie. He's a mm-hmm. protagonist. He's a character. He has flaws. I think he has good bits you know and what uh, i mean most the, i mean not just him uh, the scientists that work for the apple guy or whatever the tech guy you know i mean yeah. they are sellouts aren't yeah, they, they are he does sell out, you know so it's not uh you know i don't think it's a this portrayal of an idolized scientist who's a protagonist yeah no Maybe that. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know if anything else you want to talk about there. Then we have another story that kind of goes right into this one. And it's with Joe Rogan's video being I taken think. down from YouTube, you know, based on the MFP issue. I don't know if this has become a buzzword <laughs> that we shouldn't mention, but I think people know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, there is this or, theory uh, there. It's not even a theory. It's not even a high. But hold on. Sorry. One thing. Argue, but but uh, a. A professor has a, a, um, a professor from a reputable university, based on what I understand, has published um, a book on it. Ghent, and, yeah. Ghent University of Belgium. I'm not going to say the name of the professor, but my his profile is in front of me. So you know, we we did some research. And you know, in, in and like in, then I'll throw it back to you. But in social science and all this that we talk about, in all sciences, just you know, 
one paper on something, you know, it's just like a start and like a book or something is a start and maybe it passes the peer review process good, but it doesn't mean that this is a fact or anything, you know, you, you judge a topic based on a body of literature and then you arrive usually in the social sciences with a some kind of a bit of a nuanced answer. So I just wanted to put that out there. No, I, yeah, and I want to say, by the way, I've, in terms of free speech, I personally am relatively an absolutist in terms of, I think, taking these things down is usually yeah. probably is counterproductive. No, 100%. Not always necessarily, but I think in this case, especially is counterproductive, especially when there are so many other ways they can get around it. But I do think these guys are, uh, they are basically grifters and uh, the doctor guys, the two doctors that went on Joe Rogan and mm-hmm. stuff and Jimmy Dore, I think one of them at least. And yeah, they're, I don't, I mean, they're either really stupid or like really, really stupid that kind of like Ben Carson is stupid as in, you know, the greatest surgeon in the world, but believes uh, that the, the, uh, the pyramids are built to store grain during the profit uh, units, profit units, I believe, I forget. Anyway, but so, you know, that level of stupidity. And then the reason why I kind of inclined to say they are grifters and they are trying to uh, capitalize on the mass hysteria and found an angle is that because uh, they keep talking about how like scientifically uh, accomplished they are. You know, I'm a mm. doctor. I've been working on this. I invented that. I did that. And then they feel free as, and they say, oh yeah, we are authority on vaccine and med- it's a medical science. But they feel completely comfortable uh, suddenly uh, connecting that, segueing that into talking about how society operates, how mass mm-hmm. society operates, how media operates, how um, in 1930s and 40s, what was happening in Germany and the reasons for the rise of, you know, the, as you mentioned, the reasons for the rise of nationalism in 1930s Germany are extremely complex, highly uh, con- uh, content- contentious, and have been, like they are still debated by liberals, leftists, conservatives, all these different... And, there is disagreements within them, but they feel completely easy at using a hypothesis, I mean, or a theory, because it's got a book, I suppose, of this guy who's a psychologist from University of Ghent. And it's just, I mean, he's a typical, I, I, again, like I got them young. And uh, it just comes from this tradition of the, the, the theories that you can basically brainwash 20 or 30 percent of people through the use of media and fear mongering, which, by the way, it's not. Yeah, everybody knows you can yeah. fear monger among the people. It's not well done, Sherlock. You, you know, everybody knows that. And then they just add some bullshit scientific words and 20 and 30 percent of society obviously can be. So they gave this vague sort of percentage that you can obviously confirm with bullshit studies. You do a a study of 100 people and then you can obviously get 20 or 30 percent. You can obviously easily manipulate. I mean, it's just it's so idiotic. They're talking about yeah, there is some hysteria in the media and they're trying to pathologize that into something more, which is the typical of modern psychology. It tries to 
pathologize everything. Everything, if you're not within that, you know, if you're not exactly like the normal that is mm-hmm. defined within the consensus, they try to pathologize that. And these guys have found the grift to pathologize some hysteria and some overreactions, uh, in my view, to the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, full, full disclosure, I, re, um, I only found out about the story yesterday. So I didn't listen to the to the to Joe Rogan episodes. I didn't do what um, Sam when I looked up, but I did watch the Hill section and the Hill section A had a debate from both sides on it. And also she played um, uh, Kim Iverson. She played a clip from where he kind of explained it. And when I first heard it, to me, it also, I mean, it wasn't the craziest thing. Like, to me, it sounded like he was explaining kind of conformity um, in a different way. Yeah. That That's what I got out of it. So for me, it wasn't like exact. too insane. And it wasn't something that, yeah, it only applies to right now. I mean, you know, there have been other things, the war and terror and all this and other issues where I've seen the same thing. And to me, it just sounded like a different way of talking about conformity. But then again, really, I just watched these one or two small videos and saw that that short clip. So I haven't read his book and all this, but I mean, seems to be a uh, it seems to be like something that they came up with, right? So there isn't necessarily a body of literature to go to look at either, there is, right? There seems to be one book by the guy I mentioned from University of Kent. There seems to be one book about it, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. He has content on YouTube explains his theory in details and all that people can find that and uh, yeah it's just I mean what, what another thing that it really sort of uh, made my antennas go up was uh, one of them was on Joe Rogan and was saying that you know uh, they hired they he was talking about LinkedIn or some bullshit that he got banned from or stuff and again I reiterate reiterate i think it should be all these org like social media should be nationalized and public ownership and complete freedom of speech so that's my view uh, but then he uh yeah he says that i got banned blah blah and then they hired they they hired this uh they hired this woke writer to write uh, about me and um, this person who used to exclusively write about woke stuff. And it it's kind of implies that this guy was trying to do a hit piece on him and all that. And then uh, later on in the interview, he talks about the tweet that CDC or World Health Organization put that uh, guys don't use horse dewormer, you all, you all. They put it in a rural Southern American sort of, you all, you know, you all sort of thing. And then he was like, you know, and that tweet was so offensive. Let me tell you, Joe, it was so offensive. As somebody who comes from rural Virginia, I was so offended. Oh, please get over yourself. As if like there has been like 600 years of exploitation of rural yeah. Virginians <laughs> and, you know, uh, uh, come on. And then, yeah, you complain about uh, work writers coming after you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, level, I mean, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just the, the I think that's going to be the theme of the episode, like Anna Kasparian ca- calling out Aaron Mathe for like sitting with uh, with mass murderers, somebody who, in, you know, famously interviewed 
Madeline Arbor, like yeah. this guy. It's just everybody seems to be so. Uh, I don't know. Can you not see your own biases? Yeah. I mean, I I I I talk a lot of about a lot of things that maybe I should do more research on, but at least I I do know I am biased. No, exactly. I mean, that's why I was also pointing out on how much I've read or heard about this issue. But I mean, you know, I guess we all have blind spots that we sometimes don't see. And I'm sure our viewers yeah, can yeah, also point we, it out. Yeah, point it out to us. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I do think I am perfect. <laughs> as close to perfection as uh, God intended. But cool. Towards the end of the segment, we're going to point, we're going to talk about someone who definitely isn't perfect. And maybe this person is suffering from whatever you want to call it. But we'll get into we will get to that person. Um, but before that, yeah, I think that's true. Um, there's also Steven Pinker who did like um, who had an article out that you kind of wanted to mention. And that's before that. Sorry, before that, it kind of just reminded me of one thing. You know, Steven Pinker was on the Joe Rogan show, right? And so yes. mainstream media and others they make these huge criticisms of joe rogan you know joe rogan this and oh he has these guests and they talk about this and yes joe rogan has perhaps i don't know what the numbers are i don't know what they are i'll say 10 percent. maybe it's more maybe like 10 percent. i would maybe i would say it's less of his guests don't go on other mainstream places and things like that but people like steven pinker and a lot of other these people they go on all the way to the bbc you know so i just find that a bit ironic there are no it's actually yeah joe rogan is usually boycotted really and steven Mm -hmm. pinker is somebody who is really involved with this whole free speech sam harris you know he's always been part of that sort of circus so i think i guess he's not very surprising but yeah you're right i think most of his guests are yeah sanjay gupta i don't know that yeah exactly that's my Um, point i mean a lot of his guests are completely like people who are accepted in the mainstream world let alone like on you know other areas on youtube and things like that you know he doesn't oh it's not like he has what's his name um that crazy crazy guy every other day you know alex (laughs) jones alex jones right i mean you know yeah yeah yeah. like how can you but (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah I mean, to be honest, this thing is a bit more than just a Steven Pinker. It's a bit, I, you know, I love BBC and I have defended them. But like this new year, they really, what the hell are you guys doing? I don't know who's the programming head or what's going on, who's doing the bookings. Because the week that Jeffrey Epstein accomplices trial came to end, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's trial came to end and she was found guilty, they suddenly brought Alan Dershowitz, <laughs> a former lawyer of Epstein, who negotiated the sweetheart deal for him. They had him on as a sort of a neutral, you know, law expert. Please tell us. <laughs> and Alan Dershowitz showed up with his and his ugly fucking face and, you know, uh, uh, just uh, spouted some bullshit. And I mean, he does know law. I don't want to <laughs> get take that away from him. This evil skeleton. Well, oh. Ugh. Anyway, this evil pervert. Uh, but you know, 
Uh, so they had him on, and then they had all these articles and uh, written by Steven Pinker, three new, three suggestions for being more rational this year by Steven Pinker. Like pretty much everyone, like, are you next? We're going to have like a uh, article written by Bill Clinton. Then we're going to have one by Ehud Barak. Like everybody that's connected to, what was the guy who owned, uh, uh, what is it, Victoria's Secrets? Like he's going to write article. Like, why are you doing it this week? Just chill out, whoever is doing the booking. Even yeah. if you are, try to, you know, you know, try to. You know, why do you think they do that? Like, I mean, someone must have brought it up but i mean what is the reason i have no maybe idea. maybe they're yeah. thinking that you know the maxwell thing is over you know i don't know maybe there are things that so you know, let's we'll bring win. in everybody involved <laughs> yeah. in the case to keep it alive <laughs> no i think it's just it shows the level of uh the incestuous and limited pool of the leadership at the moment pool of the elite at the moment that you know it's just i don't know there was no other law expert than alan dershowitz in all of america i mean it's the it was the most ludicrous thing uh, alan dershowitz the guy who's been he's a proven plagiarist he's defended like his whole life has been defended basically wife killers and he's a, still gets media att- i don't get it i really don't get it no but i mean Pinker at least has some uh, oh and then we get to the the there was that three suggestion uh, yeah. to be more rational article. And that article, you know, I just went on about how I hate the conspiracy theories and I, you know, and all that. And I talked about, I believe uh, there are some, some unfounded conspiracy theories, but then you have this guy who's basically sort of in, you know, indirectly been involved in one of the most conspiracy sort of involved cases of all time. Then he comes on and there is a video attached to this article on BBC and which is all about how, guys, your makes your brain is making patterns. Conspiracy <laughs> theories are not true. Look at the look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. Conspiracy theories are not true. Yeah. Well, it's like if you're a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> like this coming out, it came out like like a day after Ghislaine Maxwell's right. Guys, it's all it's all in your head. The patterns we're pattern-seeking creatures. Don't worry about it. I'm not involved. I'm not connected. Is doing the whole, you know, look into my eyes, look yeah. into my eyes. You don't believe. It's just, Jesus Christ, like, I, guys, you're not helping your case. Which, by the way, I do think most of the conspiracy theories are actually rooted in human powerlessness. And when you are powerless, powerless, you come up with these over, like, structural theories. And I think, actually, Marx says most uh, enduring contribution to us is the fact that he gave us tools to sort of demystify sort of bullshit. Mm. So de-conspiracy theorize, the de- saying as demystify in my view. So I think uh, it comes from that and activities like that by BBC <laughs> that, uh, why are you doing this? Like, yeah. why are you bringing Alan? <laughs> this is like helping everyone. <laughs> Although I do believe, by the way, Jeffrey Epstein was probably involved in uh, estates like agents, uh, intelligence services, and all that. So that's a different thing from the other theory we talked about regarding the virus. I just don't want to even mint, which yeah. I, you know, don't like to. No, I mean, the mainstream media, you know, they know how to do it. You know, I mean, Bill Clinton has pictures 
with him and everything and you know they're never gonna go after him so they just yeah but but at least but at least CNN didn't bring Bill Clinton the day after <laughs> yeah, Elaine Maxwell's yeah, trial too okay what is your view as a former president what are you doing just bring some other law experts in my view yeah and then yeah the Stephen Pinker article you shared with me though the first two points I had a hard time to read but the the third point I liked because he just I mean I don't know I guess it has to do with being rational but he was just pretty much talking about how we get into these debates and when we treat debates as a sport it's just to you know bring the other person down and then you'll feel good about yourself but it won't advance the conversation so I'll give him there. He made a decent point. There. I think to no, I mean the article as a like even the video. If it wasn't Steven Pinker, somebody was saying it. I yeah. think it was quite good. Like I actually agree with the science uh, behind the thing. But uh, uh, the problem with people like Pinker, and I would argue even Mr. Uh, Noam Chomsky, who are you know they are opposite of each other on many issues, but they are in my view empiricist and positivist. So, so at the end, they come to the thing that, yeah, guys, we can come to a rational conclusion or to a concrete facts. And I think in most cases with social sciences, history and economics and all that, you can't do that. In cognitive, like brain and all that, maybe you can. But yeah, I, I'm a bit, I'm not fully continental European sort of anti-positivist and all that. But I like to think more like it's not, it, it's, I'm sort of in the middle. Yeah. And I mean, you can disprove a lot of stuff more concretely in the social sciences. So, you know, That's but true, yeah. proving stuff becomes much more harder, especially when you, if you want to generalize it. Yeah. If you want to generalize it. And I mean, economists and classical economics, they've been trying to do that for, for a long time. And I think it's quite clear that no matter how well they how well they think their systems work there's always <laughs> there's always evidence that yeah. doesn't quite work out the way that they want it yeah exactly it's always sort of uh you know it always comes to an end yeah. and and the video you just mentioned the video a few times the video really the topic was about how you know coincidences are much more frequent than you than you would believe them to be so just because you know, they just happen more often and doesn't mean that there's like a pattern or one thing led to another. It's just that coincidences are much more frequent than some of us may think they are, right? I believe that was the main. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it was about how your mind is a pattern-seeking mm-hmm. uh, mechanism, you know. You know. That, that was the main point of story. And I think All just, right. yeah, so, so I don't know if you have anything else. I think the no, last, no. last thing about this segment is, the, <laughs> is this crazy teacher. <laughs> so I'm just going to read, gonna read the, yeah. the headline and the first thing. So UN science teacher arrested for vaccinating 17-year-old student. A New York school teacher with no formal medical qualification has been arrested for allegedly giving a COVID vaccine to a student, say officials. So she's been arrested. And yeah, and people, I mean, authorities are wondering where A, she got the vaccine. I mean, I don't even think that's the biggest issue. Mine is like, what was going through her head? And then, you know, why did she think it was okay to vaccinate this kid? And apparently the kid wanted to be vaccinated. Well, he was like 17. 
and his parents oh, wouldn't so allow was, uh, him to be vaccinated. That's what she's saying based on this article. Maybe there have been follow-up. But yeah, she like, says that it does, yeah, the a statutory rape, boy, a statutory, yeah. a statutory vaccination. Yeah. Like, he wanted it. He wanted yeah. it. <laughs> the 17 boy had reportedly wanted the vaccine. He was and, and he was filmed it, of tops. course. He was wearing tank tops, <laughs> wife beaters. He was he was asking for it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And as people do these days, they love to videotape their criminal activities for one reason or another. You Someone kidding? apparently filmed it. Yeah, I mean, there's a picture of it. I'll put it on the screen. There's a picture and video. I, I and, saw that. I thought that was picture of the. Yeah. I thought that was picture of the teacher. I, video of the incident like, appears to show Mrs. Rousseau telling the teenager, "You'll be fine. I hope." <laughs> Man. She, I think she might discount as assault. I assume she should be like. this is crazy this is quite crazy i admit some people are going crazy over but they've been crazy it's not new (laughs) i've become so one of these people that anything someone points out i'm like no this is this has been happening forever so i think i have some kind of craziness (laughs) no no you're right you're right no but yeah this is a very like a historical crazy i suppose (laughs) like This, like you know, this is new because we, uh, yeah, I mean, oh Jesus Christ! But I hope she, yeah, I hope uh, she gets some treatment. Or yeah, and maybe whatever. there's more to know. the story. Yeah, maybe there's more. If there's more, we'll yeah talk about it in our net podcast. Maybe it's a maybe she's a serial vaccinator, <laughs> like yeah, going around. People are not paying attention, <laughs> <laughs> jabbing them. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, what happened? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, oh, God. Okay, but okay. Uh, <sighs> should we move on to our Guardian article? <laughs> Another crazy article? So, yeah, I saw this article by um, John Hari. I think that's how his name is pronounced. And I knew this guy, but I did read the article before I found out who I knew him from where. And I'll get to his background and He's writing in the Observer, which is part of the Guardian. Mm-hmm. But this article, I thought I bring your attention to the article. You see what I did? Good there? one, it good one. A, <laughs> yeah, it was pun. Yes, yeah. I got that. Even good. I got that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I I spent like three nights working on that specific joke. Yeah. So your attention didn't collapse; it was stolen. Social media and many other facets of modern life are destroying our ability to concentrate. So we need to reclaim our minds while we still can. So this is an article by John Hariri, uh, who's arguing in this article that social media and you know Instagram, Snapchat, so social messaging services as well, I suppose, are destroying our attention and in this quite long piece of work which i really really do not recommend anybody wasting their time reading i because i already did so you know and you to an extent i don't know if you read the whole thing. no i read the i mean i had to skip so, some parts because it made me lose <laughs> focus and attention a few times with the bullshit that it was so, written but yeah i made it until the oh, end for five, yeah. <laughs> so it starts with it starts with this as all these goddamn articles by these people do. It starts with a personal analogy about his godson and how 
the godson used to dance uh, to Elvis Presley when he was uh, uh, nine years old or seven years yeah. old or something. And he was so much fun. But <laughs> 10 years later, so, oh, he was five years old. Yeah. 10 years later, he's 15. Uh, Adam was lost. He had dropped out of a school when he was 15. And he has spent almost all his waking hours alternating blankly between screens, a blare of YouTube, WhatsApp, and porn. I've changed his name and some minor details to preserve his privacy. Which, uh, first, let me just make my point, then I want to get to <laughs> you. Because, first of all, Jesus, he's lost. He has spent all his waking. I thought he's going to, like, he's, at this point, I thought he's, uh, like, going to say, He's like become a heroin addict yeah. or he at least he's become like a super like racist right winger or something, you know, and he's just alternating between <laughs> YouTube, WhatsApp and porn. It kind of sounds fantastic. <laughs> he's living the dream, this guy, <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't have to go to school. And by the way, I don't know if they dro- he doesn't come back to the fact that why he dropped out of school. Maybe there isn't. <laughs> Yeah, maybe he's like his parents had issues. That's why he's like going online or, yeah. you know, has spent so much time online or whatever. You know, none of that is it's the work of the it's the work of the great algorithm, yeah. the great and all powerful algorithm. <laughs> so but uh, you made a great point, which we, I didn't think of, but I think is fantastic. But I mean, I have a few points from just the first paragraph. I think the one that you're but, no, no, this, to about the name, yeah. right? So he said that he changed his name and some minor details to preserve his privacy, but he didn't change his own name, the author. So, I mean, he's the author. So anybody who knows him knows who his godson is. I mean, who cares if some stranger like me in in a hotel room, everybody (laughs) can know that this guy. <laughs> I, just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you might as well not change his name at this point i mean might as well i mean this doesn't yeah, exactly. help it's, whatsoever it's, and and by the way he could have he could have just said youtube whatsapp and other social yeah. media but he put the porn <laughs> in there so he's just if he's still and, has any hopes of going to college and all that he's pretty much fine and that but, brings uh, me yeah, to my second thing can i just focus on these first two paragraphs go ahead go ahead first he says that he had a freakishly intense obsession with Elvis Presley, right? So already maybe yeah. some could argue that this kid, you know, perhaps was a bit too obsessed with some okay. things and he wasn't. So, I mean, th- I mean, if you're going with this article, that already comes up for me, right? The yeah, second one was the name. Psychology from far. Yeah, but I mean, if you're mentioning this, this already, then he dropped out of school, which is not mentioned. Then the third one, which is that, you know, this article is all about social media, right? So I'm sure this person would have loved if their godson was, you know, obsessed with Instagram and, you know, Facebook and TikTok. The ones where, you know, the ones who are like being like singled out as the main culprits for the algorithm, like holding people and them just like looking at it obsessively. But the three that she points out are YouTube, he points out, sorry, are YouTube, which there are criticisms about youtube in the mainstream world i'm putting myself in their world but youtube is not necessarily the one that's like singled out you know it's more like facebook and instagram they didn't have it the second one is whatsapp Snapchat. after but not here this maybe didn't exist the second one is whatsapp which is like a messaging thing where you talk to your friends i'm guessing so which is perhaps not even the worst yeah, exactly. thing and then the third one is porn <laughs> it's just like a separate <laughs> thing not that these are good but i'm just 
I would, I'm sure he would have loved yeah. if he could have. Maybe during that time, there was no Instagram and Snapchat, so he couldn't lie to that extent in the article or something. But the three things that he points out are on the margin. I mean, one of yeah. them is not even social media. One is porn. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I the mean, other one are YouTube he, and WhatsApp, which I would argue are different forms of social media. If we're going to be a bit, bit precise, I'm. I'm I don't think we have to because he just he's a, he's a complete. Uh, oh, my apologies, he's just completely wrong about everything. Uh, but yeah, he goes on to continue to basically uh, just completely destroy his godson <laughs> he seemed to be wiring at the speed of snapchat and nothing still or serious could gain any traction in his mind what the, how why are you doing this like why why, why not why couldn't anything get traction in his mind then okay i'm not going to read some of it so i'm just going to fast forward but wait i have a sentence right here i want to read i'm sorry oh, but this ahead, article read. just i had just turned 40 and wherever my generation gathered, right. we would lament our loss for, of capacity for concentration. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, Jesus Christ. I mean, I lament the, oh, do you remember the days I could read the article in but, an hour? Now it takes you know, me free. You remember <laughs> back then when we sit in a circle and we have Play-Doh going around, you know, Play-Doh book yeah. passed around and read it for six hours. Who knows? Back you in the day, that? Sam, you don't know what people were up to. Let me just put it this way. They would alter between reading Plato, Marx, Rousseau. That, that's all that Every ever day. happened. I don't know if you knew about that. But no, no, prior I to mean, social media, no, no. people only discussed like philosophy, the meaning of life for hours and hours and hours whenever they gathered. Maybe you don't know about this. Or, or sciences. Science, sciences. Natural sciences. Yes. Biology. Architecture. Chemistry. All these kind of things. You know, just and never with wasted a, yeah, any time. With a sharp, with a sharp focus. <laughs> yes. Not just, you know, not just talking, you know, yes. just, or, you know, generally or stuff. Very yeah. specific cases that is yeah. very disgusting. Every, yeah. No, and the idea that, by the way, he's 40. Like, what back in the days are you talking? Like, <laughs> early knots or late 1990s? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, when he, everybody was on a chat room. Doing, you know, what are you talking about back in the days? Chill the fuck out but no no i'm gonna keep re- reading from it but they, they keep go uh then they have this one day you know he's because he was obsessed with elvis presley he promised to take him to uh graceland uh, the you know the sort of a theme park that <laughs> is uh now uh elvis presley's house and he says I mean, just, I mean, just the way it's written, it's written like uh, you're reading like Tolstoy or something. It's so it's written with such a sad tone. Yeah. Uh, I still read a lot. Of, uh, then one evening as we lay on my sofa, each staring at our own ceaselessly shriek, shrieking the screens, shrieking, <laughs> the screens are shrieking. I look at him and felt a low dread. Adam, I said softly. <laughs> what are you Tolstoy uh, let's go to Graceland I reminded him of the promise I had made the promise the covenant they had made I could see that the idea of breaking this numbing routine ignited something in him but I told him there was one condition he had to stick to if he went he had to switch his phone off 
during the day. He swore he would. And then, like, obviously, as soon as they get to the airport, the kid is like, fuck you, I'm just using my phone. <laughs> no, <laughs> thanks but... for the free trip. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, when he landed on the when he landed in the plane, he turned on his phone, right? And I would argue it's irresponsible if you land and you don't turn on your phone, you know, to let your family know yeah, yeah. that you on know you trip, arrived way, safely yeah. or see if the, the world hasn't ended <laughs> in the past six hours you were on the plane. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. No, and by the way, I'm not. I don't come from a culture. We don't have God. You know, uh, we have similar to God's fathers and stuff, but it's not. I don't know. Do do people have such close relationship with their God children? They go on trips, and you know. I don't, anyway, the whole some thing do. Is they weird. could be related. It, he doesn't point out if they're related. No, he doesn't. He just says no, God's son. Yeah. But yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. You could be uncle or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he does. He does mention his address. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then it continues this sort of, you know, as if describing like, you know, like the the book Shining by Stephen King, like he's describing the yeah. uh, mansion there, the hotel. When you arrive at the gates of Graceland, there is no longer a human being whose job is to show you around. Oh, what a sad loss. Yeah. That you know nobody's forced into sort of serving you like a <laughs> slave. You know this is the door. Please red carpet. You know please. Oh my sir, my sir. You're handed an iPad. Oh, you put in a little earbuds and the iPad tells you what to do. Turn left. Turn right. Walk forward. I mean, if the guy was there, he would have done the same thing. You do realize anyway. Uh, in each room, uh, I mean, it just goes on and on. But then it gets to this. This is the really uh, fantastic part I really wanted to see. He comes across this couple and the guy says, honey, he said, this is amazing. Look, he waved the iPad in her direction and began to move his fingers across. If you swipe left, you can see the jungle room to the left. And if you swipe right, you can see the jungle room to the right. His wife is there stared, smiled, and began to swipe at her own iPad. I leaned forward. But sir, I said, but sir, this is like, give me more food. There is an old-fashioned form of swiping you can do. It's called turning your head. Oh, 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 oh. Da, 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 da. Because we are here. We are in the jungle room. You can see it unmediated. Here, look. And yeah, this guy is the type of guy you really try, like whenever you are on a tour, on a trip and stuff, yeah. you try to avoid as much possible. Like, man, I don't really thank you, but yeah. don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to God. Yeah, it's just so full of themselves. I mean, I don't know if you want to read more, but I want to make like a serious yeah, yeah, uh, I wanna. comment. Okay. I really want to read more. Okay. Yeah. No, they, look, look at this. Look, I said, don't you see? We are actually there. There is no need for your screen. We are in the jungle room. They hurried away. Of course, they, <laughs> they were freaked out. Someone <laughs> called security on this guy first of all. Get away from me. Too intense. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes on that he, he, the guy, the kid basically broke his promise at every stage of the trip because 
you know, he was a normal human being. <laughs> he wasn't this psycho like him. Yeah. And then he realized that he wasn't angry at the kid. He was really angry at himself for not, not having the concentration. So, so he goes on a fucking world tour of the world, basically. Uh, basically, this is his like diary. He's yeah. publishing his journal. And he has interviews with professors. And I explain why I'm putting the interviews and all that in quotation marks later. I traveled all over the world in the next three years. So he's done three years to write <laughs> God, that part. <laughs> From Miami to Moscow to Melbourne, all the M cities, you know, it's, just, it's so obvious that he's done like he's English lit. Anyway, yeah. interviewing the leading experts in the world about, about focus, <laughs> as if they're experts just on, I mean, what do you mean? Like cognitive scientists? <laughs> Like somebody who's a focus. I, I don't. Anyways, I went. Like for example, I interviewed Professor Joel Nick, who is one of the leading ex- experts in the world on children's attention problems. I mean, I, I. It's just, yeah. He goes on, and they keep saying that all of them are saying it's been stolen from you. It's like the obesity crisis. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not you. It's not your fault. It's the fault of these environments that we're in. And I would argue the environment is changing, and maybe our attention are getting shorter and all that. But we've all. It's like. Anyway, I'll get to a joke. That's I have. My, for that's my Anyways. point. I mean, that's my point. I mean, if the world was really this good 40, 50 years ago, I really missed out. I wish I was around during that time where people had amazing focus and just thinking and talking they about were meaningful focusing stuff. On, yeah, they were super really focused out. on like destroying, you know, people of color. So <laughs> pu- super focused yeah. on like, is he from a different ethnicity? Get him, get him. <laughs> you know, very focused on such different, you know, not allowing women yeah. to work and all that. So very focused. And then just, sorry, just, you know, the thing I was saying that modern psychology tries to pathologize everything mm. and then, obviously come up with solution for those pathologies. Then he talks about this thing called switch cost effect. It means that if you check your texts while trying to work, you aren't losing the little bursts of time you spend looking at the texts themselves. You're losing the time it takes to refocus afterwards. So you see, it's just about mystification and medicalization and pathologization of you know, like, like that kid, I don't know, maybe that kid actually had real issues with spending too much time online. But yeah. Maybe that's because he has other significficant problems. Maybe it's because there's no good jobs for people. I don't know. You know or I mean, he was 15 he was. and he was out of school already. I mean, she doesn't, he doesn't mention when this he person. Dropped out. It, yeah, yeah, Hal doesn't mention, it mentions he dropped out at yeah. 15. But yeah, it's just, it's a super long, super bloated pontification of a piece of work uh, that goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Uh, Yeah, but, and then uh, he compares the movement to the feminist movement and he (laughs) says that we have to come together just like the feminist movement did and ask for change and, you know, all that. But he, by the way, not very specific. Does he want the companies to be broken up, change their algorithm, become nationalized, become regulated? What is this one? Now, we get to the very end and his conclusion is basically come together and fight out. (laughs) 
we get to the end, and uh, this is what's written. The above is an edited extract from a stolen focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention by John Harry, published by Bloomsbury on 6th of January. To support the Guardian and Observer, <laughs> order your copy at guardianbookshop.com. Delivery charges may apply. <laughs> now, if you have any comments on the piece, go ahead. And then I, now I want to focus on the author itself. Okay, okay, yeah. Because, I mean, I want to get a little bit serious i mean like sure you know do things distract you of course and you know he makes the point about the email you know if you're writing and you're doing something and you get your phones constantly getting emails or something you will get distracted i believe that but distractions are not unique to this i mean to like even our cell phones distractions are everywhere i mean i said this to you i'm not joking sometimes when i study at home or like work from home i get distracted by the bathroom and i like go to the bathroom like every five minutes I know. to pee for no reason or do something. That's why I like going to the library because the bathroom's far. So like the idea of the bathroom is out of my head. You know, I really go when I have to, not just as an excuse, like sometimes when thinking becomes hard or something. So yeah, distractions are there and they've always been there. Well, and, and yeah, as, you should put your stuff away and be able and to as, focus on things. And that's better. Yeah, of course, if you have your phone on right next to you and receiving messages all the time, or emails, you're going to get distracted. If you have people next to you talking all the time, you're going to get distracted. If there are people playing a sports game next to you, you're going to get distracted. And, you know, someone has to show me the data no, that the way, before people wouldn't getting distracted. I'm pretty sure that's not I, true. I come, we just have different things now. Sure, sure. And I come from a generation that kind of remembers not having, uh, you know, not didn't grow up with technology. It arrived in the middle of our sort of growing phones. up, sort of, uh, yeah, especially cell phones. And I, and I, I used to, when I was very young, I used to spend a lot of time in rural areas where there was no connectivity, like you can bear low mobile, like mm-hmm. connection, or anything, right? And it was goddamn boring, man. <laughs> like it was awful. It was like they, this idolized past where everybody was focusing, as you say, on reading Plato and yeah. like doing work with their hand and making like woodwork or metal work. Yeah. So it was goddamn boring. Most people were just laying on the floor, just going, <laughs> oh, Jesus. But or I'm, like what sharing like it? bullshit <laughs> stories, like, like, you know, oh, yeah, little stories of that. Thing, yeah. What, what? Yeah, why do you think in rural areas, famously, everybody's gossiping and busybodies? Because there's nothing else to do. There was no media. There was no soap operas. So what do you do? You create soap operas out of yeah. people's lives, you know? So it was the same thing. It's just, yeah, he's a... Now, yeah. So should I get to him? Should I... Please. Yeah, that was my serious point. A bit of a... <laughs> so this guy, I, I remember this guy because he had I just his name was familiar. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, he was on Joe Rogan show. And I kind of actually when he was on the show, I kind of agree with the premise of what he's saying. But I think he's a grifter because of the way he was saying he, he's one of the people who is like trying to say psycho uh, depression and all that is not just due to chemical imbalances. It's due to environmental factors as well it, because you know for like in psychiatry especially during the last not last 20 years but before that there was a significant movement towards its mostly mental chemical imbalances rather than so environmental and uh, childhood upbringing issues but in reality to be honest actually uh, i think it was after watching his videos on 
Roger Rogan, I did do a lot of research on the topic of psychiatry and psychology and psychotherapy and all that. And it's not uh, like it's not a like people who are psychiatrists, all of them, all the people who uh, do this kind of a stuff. If you read their work, I think John Gunderson was a fantastic one. Uh, you know, they are all talking about this sort of a it's a spectrum and a balance between medication and psychotherapy and environmental changes and all that, you know? So it's not, he was presenting it as a bit of a monolith and all that. But more importantly than that, which is a disagreement on a, you know, uh, uh, intellectual matter, let's say, or whatever, this guy has been caught plagiarizing as well as editing Wikipedia page uh, in an abusive way, basically. Uh, so he, he's what? he's a known. He's been caught pl- pl- plagiarizing. Yeah, let me read this. This is from Wikipedia, but it's <laughs> uh, uh, blog, uh, uh, Yahoo and editor Brian Wellen asserted that Harry had plagiarized materialized material published in other interviews and writing by his. Uh, interview subject. So what he would do, that's why when I, when I was talking about these interviews, I put quotation marks. He had, he mm-hmm. like took other people's interviews and put it in his work as if he had interviewed Stop. the people. Now that's not even you know, plagiarism. Uh, yeah. That's like theft. <laughs> that's yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and then by the way, uh, for like he was supposed to give back his prize money uh, to a charity uh, but according to the independent, he, he has, you know, he never paid it back because he was supposed to pay it back when he goes back to the independent, the newspaper. But then uh, 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 he never went back to work there. So like, so he never paid back the prize monies that he should have paid back. This is according, this is, he may have paid it back since this article. Also, in 2011, he admitted that he had edited articles on Wikipedia about himself and journalists with whom he had disputes. Posing as a journalist named David Rose, he added a false and defamatory claims to articles about journalists, including Nick Kwan, Christiane O'Donne, Francis Wynne, and Daniel Ferguson, one of our usual uh, actors, and edited articles about himself to make quotes. This is a quote by him. To make him seem more of more to seem one of the essential writers of our time, and then Nick Cohen, who's a kind of famous uh, journalist in UK, he goes on to say that apparently his friends in Guardian would pressure him to write positive stuff about him or positive things about him. So this guy is a genuine piece of work, yeah. and uh, he still gets published in the Observer. It's fascinating. In the Guardian, exactly. Known plagiarists. <laughs> I mean, again, that's like beyond Alan, plagiarism. I mean, by the way, that's Alan. That's Guardian was. I think Guardian was one of the places that they. I don't know if they did complain about Alan Dershowitz's presence in uh, BBC, but you know, you are no better. Yeah, and again, another example of someone who I guess has been on the Joe Rogan show and also on these um, oh, yeah. mainstream outlets. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. But man this article i'm not surprised i'm not surprised anything else you have on this guy no i just want to say i think these type of things are trying to like i mean i believe a structure and you know that things matter more but in your personal life you have agency 
and you know it's not nobody's stealing your attention and all that chill the fuck out of course everybody's trying to manipulate everybody because we are all humans and stuff you should be aware of structures and algorithms and of course they're always trying all companies are trying to maximize their profit that's mm-hmm. why companies are created so keep that in mind that's all yeah no 100% and i mean i guess i'll open a tiny little um, parallel with another thing i mean i've always thought about this when it comes to the adhd like medications and stuff and they they give it often to kids because they're like they can't focus in class and all this i mean can they not focus shouldn't it been like overall shouldn't you be able to focus on everything because now yes i love like all kinds of social sciences and stuff but when i was in school i could never focus on the on like you know what the teacher was saying and all these things in class but whenever we were playing like sports and the teacher was giving instructions about sports and things that i liked i had no problem focusing right so i mean i feel like these things are not yeah. taken into consideration sometimes you know people sometimes don't have passion for things so it's not that they can't focus it's just that they have no interest in this kind of topic so they're enabled so they're not able to focus on it i don't know if you've ever really thought about like the whole adhd pills and these kind of things that they subscribe that they prescribe sorry to kids very quickly at a young yeah, age I, based I, on based on you know typically based on their um performance in school based on what i understand i do per, from what i've heard and i haven't done a proper deep dive and it is a medical issue so mm-hmm. i yeah, am 100%. very hesitant but but i do think that, yeah definitely there's a some over medication and over diagnosis especially regarding children and when it potentially autism you know uh, uh, so yeah i definitely like that's why i was very sympathetic to him when i heard him on joe rogan mm-hmm. but then you after a while you realize some people are just saying some stuff because they found an angle i think yeah. anyway but but yeah i definitely think there is too much like yeah like i've heard of the stories of you know kids for example having been put on ritalin or that sort of thing and you wonder that I wasn't very focused as a kid. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. and you wonder, wasn't that part of the childhood or, you know, that's the thing, nurture, nature debate is very hard to, yeah, I think especially mm-hmm. at drugs and kids, there is definitely issues that we have to talk about and attention and all, and even social media. And, but like, if, if my son spends all his days or son or daughter spend all his days reading books, I would be concerned, Yeah, you know, <laughs> but I wouldn't think that is the cause. I wouldn't think, Oh, Jules Verne and yeah. your algorithm, you know, and you, kids do that. Oh, they Agatha are Christie. Kids. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, there are kids. That. Yeah. Who, who are like obsessed with I different like comics, six b- months books and these kind of, and yeah. Yeah, I spent like six months reading all of Agatha Christie's books. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, was like, and there were people in my family that were somewhat concerned, mm-hmm. especially for themselves because they were worried. Why am I reading so many books about murder? Especially, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So you know, yeah, exactly. Like, it, but it could be a result of a personality trait. It could be a result of an issue of something else. I don't think that in itself is an issue. But, yeah, like, know, I mean, he points out himself how his godson had a freakishly, uh, you know, serious um, obsession with Elvis Presley during that time, you know. 
So they're just different things. Yeah, I just I want like to say it's not like, only uh, social media. And the last know. point on that Why story. Why would you describe as freakishly? <laughs> I guess, yeah, maybe it was too obsessed with it. And just the last thing I want to say is that I love like how no, no, he but, takes but, like, the my, kid, yeah. how he takes his grandson to like a very like corporate kind godson. of like godson sorry to like a very corporate kind of like mainstream you know commodified kind theme of park. place theme park to get him away from the screen you know i, I would have thought yeah. he'd take him to like a camping trip or something you know it's like you know what let's yeah, go to nature Disneyland. Or... <laughs> no i love that i love it yeah i think arcade. he's just a very I think he's your typical, I think he's a bit of a Karen, basically, because mm. he was the freakishly intense as well. Like, I remember when my, like, the children I know, when they were very young, children become obsessed with a song and mm-hmm. they wanted to hear it over and over again. And I don't know, like, you know, I think this guy is one of those guys that your child, I, I like if your child, for example, like, is making like when they eat they just become dirty yeah i think your child maybe needs behavioral therapists right. for you know oh chill out man i'm really good at shielding myself from like people and stuff if when i have kids and people say these things a i'll get into a fun argument with them b if they're really saying something good you know once i'll calm down that's good you know you learn something we see is I don't need you. I don't need to hear from you. So that's the last time I'll see your dumbass face and with these kind of comments. <laughs> no, but, but I think the real villain in this article, it's like one of the, it's like a great movie. The real villain you never see, the parents of the godson that has have allowed this relationship with this man to, to flourish to this level. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one ridiculous and then like spilling yeah, all the over the to internet drop out. <laughs> yeah <laughs> who oh, knows what's great. in the book I maybe hope... there are more details and shit about this pork <laughs> i hope they have it like a uh, like a whatsapp group with all their family <laughs> friends and the guy just shared the article in that <laughs> you probably yeah. did i of course he did i'm willing to bet anything he did Oh god. Uh, anyways, yeah, but that's yeah, I really wanted to highlight this goddamn article. All right, Sam. So let's move on to our I think it's our third story for today. And this one I really, really enjoyed it. As you know, I'm quite into Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and blockchain world, although I don't own any, but I find it to be an interesting um, topic. So Glenn had an interview with Alex Gladstein. I believe he is the president or the director general, whatever of this of Human Rights Foundation. And it's a foundation that is a nonprofit organization that describes itself as promoting and protecting human rights globally with a focus on closed societies. So not sure what that means um, exactly. But um, so here he talks a lot about money specifically and Bitcoin. So he makes quite a nuanced argument and a, he's not talking about, like Glenn sometimes says cryptocurrency, Bitcoin and all this, but this guy is very focused on Bitcoin. He even, I think at one point says that, oh, other cryptocurrencies, they have, you know, the venture capitalist involved and all that. And he dismisses that and he kind of doesn't talk about blockchain technology itself. So um, he talks really about Bitcoin. And he starts from the position that he says that, you know, the money and like currency, uh, you know, system is broken for a lot of people. 
And he's kind of, he's referring to two things. One is that he says in some developing countries or even, you know, what you call quote unquote underdeveloped countries, but also developing, there's a lot of inflation and money is always like constantly losing its value, right? So case in point, maybe you can use Turkey right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's always losing value. And secondly, he says there are a lot of sanctions and other barriers in place that prevent some people from literally sending money from one place to another right so within this context it's he starts here but then he makes it much bigger and i think that's where the criticisms can come in so he's like in this context bitcoin is great because there's nobody stopping you anybody i guess as long as you have access and um, to a phone and like t- technology and so internet and just know kind of how to do it and you can look it up anybody's allowed to and send send bitcoin to somebody else and you can overcome any sanctions imposed by, let's say, the U.S. government on X, Y, and Z um, government. So that part of it, I kind of appreciated the the nuanced argument um, of it and the case that he presents there. And I'm like, in that context, you know, I'm like, yeah, Bitcoin can be useful there. You know, let's say if you can't send some money, you you really want to send some money in some way to someone. Bitcoin is one way of of doing it. But then after that, he kind of, you know, talks about how whether you want it or not, or you care about which where this ideology came from, and even draws a parallel with emails. He's saying, you know, they're going to, Bitcoin is going to come, is going to become the dominant, I think he even says the dominant reserve. And, you know, he also has a lot of problems with like the banks and the, that, the kind of system that we have right now, right? The central banking system. And so that's where I kind of, uh, he kind of loses me a bit because I see how Bitcoin can be useful in these kind of, in this kind of particular context that he gives, right? But when you move beyond that, uh, I don't really see it, and I don't think he did a, you know, he really sold it beside that. So like, if you're if you're in America or something, you know, sure, if you can invest in a bit of Bitcoin, or if you're in like the Western countries or in any of the G20 countries, sure, maybe you can invest in Bitcoin and make money out of it but at the end of the day you're going to want to turn it into like a fiat currency right that's the whole point of it at some point you want to turn it into fiat currency so you get your return on your investment that is one thing where i didn't see the second one he talks about you know bitcoin about you know currencies losing their value all the time and bitcoin itself is very volatile right so sure if you hold maybe bitcoin for like a year or or two or time, maybe then you'll see like, you know, even though it goes up and down, up and down. Yeah, sure. Maybe overall, there was a bit of an increase. But I mean, right now, it's just so funny while we're making this video on January 7th, about two weeks after they published that Bitcoin has like has dropped by like 20,000 over the past. I'm just trying to bring up the map right now. It has dropped by like 20 graphs right now. It has dropped by like twenty thousand or fifteen thousand dollars since that came out. It's like at forty-two thousand. So Bitcoin itself is very volatile. So if you're saying you know, it's a currency that could everybody could use, especially people who are like you know, because of his argument, like I said, he really puts it in this context of people who are in situations who can't you know access the U.S. dollar easily and all that. Well, what they're just gonna sit on their money all the time? Maybe no, they'll need to use it. And next thing you know, someone sent you money a week ago. And now you've lost all, it has lost like, you know, 10 or 15% of its value. So I find that a bit um, 
ironic. Then he goes on to talk about, you know, it can, it can also be used for, you know, everything, not just sitting on it. But then there's this Bitcoin transaction fee that I've mentioned a bunch of times, which starts anywhere around a dollar and 60 cents and goes up. I just looked this up, right? So, I mean, are you going to go buy a Coke with your Bitcoin money when at the same time <laughs> you're going to have to pay the same amount in transaction fee? It doesn't really, it doesn't really work. Then the second, then he says that Bitcoin is, you know, really good because there's this limit of it. There isn't going to be made more of it. And based on what I understand, that is absolutely true. There is currently a limit on it. And there's no incentive to increasing that limit because then it could lose its value as an investment. So it is not theoretically impossible to do that, right? Then another point is that, you know, Bitcoin seems to be good, but why not make another one that's even better, right? Why is this one that was made the first one is, you know, really the, the best one? It happens to be really good. Why can't we just invent another one that will become better? And then I was kind of, then some of the criticisms that he doesn't really touch on, you know, I'll just leave those aside, like the environmental impact, you know, it's very, it consumes a lot of energy, but you know, what doesn't so many of our lifestyles and activities consume so much energy. And if we switch to, let's say some other alternative forms of energy, that problem could be overcome. Then there's this question that is put to him, which is about how um, and he doesn't answer it. And some people in the comment section got a bit pissed. He answers it at the end, which is that, you know, a lot of people who are early investors in Bitcoin, they're the ones who are making a lot of the money because they got it very, very cheap. But I mean, I think he kind of addresses and says it, you know, in the way that I think he either says that or they, maybe this is my response, which is, well, Bitcoin drops all the time. Right. So, I mean, and if it keeps on going up, so, you know, you can buy it maybe when it drops again in like a few weeks or a month buy it then at the lower part so then make more money later so that was um that was like the one question that was kind of put to him and then secondly i have a question for you if the fact that bitcoin is is like you know useful in the specific example that he gives right in like you know developing or underdeveloped countries where there's like high inflation with your money loses its value all the time and also there can be sanctions imposed is that kind of the ultimate test showing that oh if something can work in that context then it's really good or is it just because something works somewhere that is like even more broken than other places and um, you know okay it works there but it doesn't mean that it's better than the alternative that already um, exists did you kind of get my question because he like and then i also want to talk about fiat currencies about you a little bit i have one thing but yeah did you what did you make of that um video anything that you know based on the question i asked you what i've said is there anything you want to react to i i enjoyed it more than the other videos about bitcoin because there was more concreteness to it mm -hmm. but i think to be honest it to me it's sort of it's at the end i i came out not with a really new or original take but just yeah it's to me it seems like it's a speculative market created just to create value because you know there is just, we've hit the end of like i think we are in declining rates of profit now in real economy so it's a speculative market and by the way that's just like a speculative market can last for year mm -hmm. for millennia you know so it's not necessarily i'm saying it's worthless or anything 
But the idea that the guy puts forward that it's a level playing field and, you know, for example, he says everybody knew it was there if anybody wanted to use it. So people were early investors. And I don't think, first of all, it's a, it's as much of a level playing field as a stock market mm. is or at least was when it came about. You know, all of these things, when they come about, they do, for at first, perhaps allow social mobility for a very small segment, for a very small group of people. But I think very quickly, vested interest manipulates them. And I think currently, like 80% of the, uh, yeah, like the cryptocurrency values is like uh, the profits are being uh, going to the 10% of the users Mm -hmm. or the people who bought it early, basically. So, yeah, I don't buy his idea that this will lead to... A, and by the way, as somebody who has been to countries that have been sanctioned by the US, the idea that this is a game changer is a complete uh, bullshit. You know, in the levels that governments or people, the level business operates, it's just, yeah, it's just not feasible to do deals with such a volatile uh, thing. I do think digital money is the way of the future for sure. Uh, but I doubt it will be uh, necessarily Bitcoin. Um, it might be actually, I mean, Bitcoin might get taken over by something, but I, I don't think it's going to become this tool that he was talking about that will help us fight against central governments and yeah. their manipulation of currency and all that. And I don't think that's actually a bad thing either. I'm not an anarchist. I'm not a a socialist anarchist or a you know free market anarchist i'm actually very much believe in planning and stuff so i think you know you call it manipulation i call it uh, regulation control so yeah so maybe that brings me to the whole thing one of the criticisms that he kind of has is like before you know money was pegged to the to gold right and now you know now it's just with fiat currency you can dollar you yeah you can print as much as you want i mean i'm not necessarily sold that you know that's a bad thing that the fact that you know there's not only a limited amount like sure when banks when the central bank and the government bails out corporations instead of people but that's different right like i mean when when you talk about build back better or all these other things you know from a leftist point of view i'm not i'm not necessarily convinced that this is a bad thing and that going back to the system of gold where there's like a limited amount of money sure don't print non-stop or don't add money non-stop but just that he, blanket. Does he say? yeah i believe so i believe so um, i stand no, no, by that he, he say, said that unless i misunderstood does he say going back to a gold standard well he says this is the good? same thing this is he says this is better than gold this is the same thing because there's a limited amount right that's one of his main arguments as why bitcoin is better than the other ones because there is this you know this limit that amount, has been yeah. set so it's pretty much the same um, thing so maybe i misunderstood that part but this is how i got it and yeah okay. i'm not convinced that that's a bad thing you know if, i think if to the be money honest, is going put... the money should be i mean it's just I mean keynes maynard keynes argued this and i kind of agree i think it should be pegged on a basket of commodities basically sadly it is pegged against dollar now i mean it's fiat but the idea that cover i mean what he's arguing for is, yeah, let's get free from government and central government's control of money. Yeah, basically, he wants to deprive the government from monetary policy. It seemed to me 
level playing field yeah. and all that. And I don't think that's necessarily or at all a good thing. So, you know, uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with these goals. But now that you said he wants to, I didn't understand that. So now I'm thinking, how would that work? Yeah, maybe I misunderstood uh, that goal. part, but no, that's what I, I so so pegging so pegging fiat currency. So how much Bitcoin a government has sort of determines the value of their currency. Or even not that, he's just saying that there's like a limited amount, right? I mean, sure, we go change gold into into dollars because it would be hard to give dollars. But I guess with Bitcoin, you wouldn't have to do that, right? So there's limited amount of Bitcoin. So if the government wants to invest, if the government has 1 million Bitcoins to invest, it can do that. And that's that. It can't go more. I guess with Bitcoin, you wouldn't have to change it into something else because, you know, it's it can be broken down more easily and people could do the exchange, right? Okay, so digital money. Anyway, it's like yeah. Crazy. yeah. Anyways, but as because he talks a lot about the sanctions and you know it's been used in a lot of third world countries. I think that part is very exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Very anything, exaggerated. Right? The positive effects, if anything, if anything. But, and yeah, it's. I mean, his whole argument very, relies on that. I mean, I mean that is his. That yeah, he I starts mean, off without, the video with that. Yeah, banks have proven themselves far more capable of you know it's yeah it's not that hard to uh for them to track and stuff so no i i genuinely i just in terms of practicality but in terms of technicalities of the system i'm still somewhat confused i guess yeah and i mean the last thing is just funny i've been uh, reading a bit about you know uh in el, in el salvador they made they made bitcoin um uh, you know the main one is just like the dollar, right? You can, it's apparently also an official currency there. But there, sure, there are some differences because of Bitcoin, but there also the government is fully involved. And I was reading this article where like the government was going after dissidents who were kind of, you know, complaining about how Bitcoin has been introduced into, you know, the market and all this. So the government can also get involved into Bitcoin. Like, sure, then you can still work without them, but so he doesn't fully like, you know, null his argument, but I'm just saying governments can also get involved in Bitcoin and politicize it, obviously in different ways because of its nature. But, you know, and that's what's happening in El Salvador, you know, for, I'm not saying whether it's good or bad, but the government is the one who's behind the push for making Bitcoin. That seems of, like a very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's, I, yeah it's not it like a yeah. So it's not necessarily that governments can get their hands on it or, or anything like that. But yeah, and even Glenn asked at one point, so what about cash? Isn't because I think he also talks a bit about, you know, privacy. And it's like, yeah, no, cash is really good too. I'm also, you know, a proponent of, you know, people using more cash and all this. But I think Bitcoin would be even better. What? what, what what's the, what? Cash using, as yeah. in like dollar? Yeah, yeah. Like instead what's, of, you know, using your card and all this because, you know, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't leave like a paper trail and all that behind so of how you spent the money there it's more about like the privacy part and all okay. this yeah but like yeah. you can't and you, pegging like, it to gold about, i guess like, like pegging it to gold no, and, like and, yeah. no yeah anyways no i just thought that he meant like he's against cards like debit cards he's against that yeah i guess so putting like, yeah. your money yeah like the kind of right he thinks i think cash is better but to, this was towards the end i didn't re-listen to this segment but yeah because glenn asked him about you know what about cash because 
if you if if your concern is privacy because they start with with you know with the very specific narrow argument that it's no, in the beginning but yeah, then it but becomes they do bigger realize, and bigger the discussion no i just yeah i thought like i assume maybe perhaps they meant it in a sense that everybody pulls their money out of banks and then hmm. banks will have no power because it's our money and all that but that would mean the collapse of the whole economy and then you know return to the state of war against all so you know because everything is like connected to banking and uh, that so yeah i mean i don't know the, like i don't want to criticize because i don't really know what they said but it seems like an idiotic thing to be in favor of but yeah of course if you want to if you're doing something that you don't want like leaking uh, sensitive information that yeah. is in public interest of course cover your trail yeah and use cash but yeah the main bulk of i mean his the good part of his argument that made the most sense was the initial part of yeah that you know in some countries there's so much inflation but then again <laughs> it's one way of getting it's around. funny how bitcoin is also very <laughs> volatile and then yeah yeah volatile. getting around it's actually i mean it's extremely volatile I mean, it, it lost half its value a few months ago and then came back right and yeah, by so the way unless i mean in at least from the cases i've seen unless very few of the people in the third world that are buying bitcoins and that type of thing for investment as in you know because to avoid inflationary issues that uh, happens in the country like in turkey for example usually there you have very few of like three bitcoins when they were teenagers and now mm. you know they because of that they managed to hit they managed to uh, basically avoid the inflation inflationary effect on their value of their money so i think it mostly happens to rich like it's mostly for rich people so. all right sam so let's move on to your favorite segment progressive geopolitics but i must say i'm quite excited <laughs> i'm quite excited about it as well so why don't you get us started yeah, well, let's start with some smaller ones and then we move to the bigger ones. Uh, so the new year started and in terms of geopolitics, things continue to be quite so bad as they <laughs> have always been, it seems. So, you know, uh, that trend is continuing. In the US, we had the great, uh, uh, like, let's start with something fun. We had that great video by Joe Biden who... Um, uh, said that in the year 2020 things are going to be much better so that's good in the year 2020 things are going to be much better <laughs> yeah so, I you saw know. That one. to his defense though there's yeah. been so many marketing and promotions even in year 2021 where they're like oh euro 2020 is a year later so the poor guy i've done that mistake yeah who made the hilarious but joke was... though was it you or somebody else about like in 96 he's gonna rerun for uh oh colbert no that was Colbert. yeah no he said he said yeah i hope he doesn't bite him in the ass when he runs for re-election in 1996 yeah <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious was... What on a more substantive uh, matter, Build Back Better seems to be dead. Yesterday, Manchin pretty much said there is no negotiations with the White House when he was asked about it. And it seems pretty much 
Brianna Joy Gray is the only person in the whole uh, America that is interested in this deal. Nobody else talks about it. They don't. Uh, she's just doing three videos a week about this. She, her hair is falling out. She's just, yeah, she doesn't sleep. She's not, she's, yeah. But sadly, it seems to be dead pretty much. Yeah. Joe Manchin, I think, to have killed it. Anything um, do you want to comment on that or? Not on Build Back Better and stuff. I think you're, you're right, that Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, moving like sort of US, but we are going now towards the East and okay. that's Eastern Europe and Ukraine and Russia. And we, uh, yeah, the situation seems to be escalating and de-escalating. The Ukrainian president gave a new year uh, speech that i'm calling for peace and the escalation but at the same time there is seems to be continued build up on the russian side of the border and uh, we had the fantastic gray zones did actually two fantastic videos mm-hmm. on the issue and one was with uh, douglas mcgregor ex-pentagon advisor which he seemed to suggest that it's actually imminent I was a bit surprised by his take. I still think unless Ukrainians force the Russians' hand, I doubt Russians will come in. But it's possible. But it's possible. But he was saying they, they are, they, their hand is forced anyways. So that was his take. I, I don't know if you have any comments on that. Yeah, I do want to comment on that first part because so this was on the pushback series with Aaron Matte, right? And I don't think Aaron Matte yeah, nor yeah. me expected this guy to give this answer. So Aaron no. Matte is like, yeah, so do you yeah, think there's a... his face <laughs> was quite, yeah. Do you think there's, a, there's actually like, you know, uh, it could be possible that Russia, there could be an imminent attack of Ukraine. And he's like, yes, um, I believe by mid-January or the end of January, it's going to it's gonna happen early and february yeah early february and then he stops there and Aaron matt is like and on what grounds did you <laughs> do you agree that a russian invasion of ukraine is very likely well this is one of the few occasions where i can agree with something that adam schiff has said uh yes i think it's very likely uh, to happen towards the end of january uh, beginning of february in all likelihood on what grounds do you uh, believe that did you uh, say that? Yeah, Aaron's face is so funny. It goes. On what grounds do you uh, believe that? He said this sort of a neck thingy. Like, what? What happened? But what, to what, be fair, the guy then the goes on, <laughs> then goes on to give a more nuanced answer, and I think maybe you can yeah. elaborate on that a bit more, or you didn't find it yeah, to be well, nuanced. Oh, I thought it was new. I still think Ukrainians have to make the first move because Russia economically really doesn't want to integrate the eastern part of Ukraine because right now they have their own economic issues. That although there is the, you know, it's, war is never an unpopular thing, especially a short-term war that you definitely can win. And I assume and uh, that, and I think it would be actually a good thing, that the Russian-speaking parts of Ukraine will uh, inevitably become part of Russia. They will be integrated in Russia up to Odessa. I mean, Odessa is... Uh, is that the river? Is... Oh, no, sorry. No, Odessa is a city. The river is Danube. Uh, mm-hmm. Eastern side of Danube uh, to it's sort of a river that sort of 
sort of bends westward. And then Odessa, and Odessa was a city founded by Catherine the Great, the Russian um, uh, uh, emperor, empress. And uh, it will, used to be called the Southern capital. So, you know, it's just, it's Russian. Just to let, let the Russians have them. And I, I but uh, I, I don't think right now they would want to do that unless, because if they do that, there will be, you know, inevitably there will be more problems regarding Nord Stream 2, mm-hmm. more problems regarding their re- relations with Europe. It probably won't be huge problems, but it would be annoying problems. But I do agree with Mr. McGregor. He seems to suggest that America is not basically... It's, I don't think America is ignoring Russia's uh, pleas. Like, it's just America is not even... Inter- like Nothing is in charge right now. So what is coming out is a very uncoordinated policy. And there are loads of people who want to, you know, with vested interest in some starting something with russia so yeah and i mean the nuanced fact that i was referring to is that he kind of says that they would attack exactly eastern part not attack or like invade whatever yeah invade the eastern part take of over ukraine. no take, take over. over take over the eastern part of ukraine yeah. which is like you know he says the, the population there sees themselves as as russians and he said yeah but yeah taking over all of ukraine is not even military feasible they don't have they don't have the preparation right now and you know it would turn into a long war so that time that answer of his that part kind of you know went more closely with the other really good expert the gray zone had about a few weeks ago which we discussed and he was talking about you know russia it's not even they can't really invade ukraine right now so he kind of so i guess his answer was like yes they're gonna invade half of ukraine in the next coming weeks which is still Aaron would have still been shocked but I I mean it's completely like that's actually something I think Mr. Cohen years ago Mm -hmm. uh, also is you know because as he mentions the borders following the following the collapse of Soviet Union the borders were drawn in such a uh, haphazard and just you know uh random way you know that uh, it was bound like ethnic issues like that were bound to happen yeah in many ways but yeah that that was that was our two cents on that shall i anything you know but anything else more from this video i mean it was interesting because this person was in the trump administration and he kind of like you know made himself seem like he was the voice of reason during voice that time yeah. i was uh, i must say he's he's taken like he was keep he kept saying that back in by trump administration there seemed to be like a, a strategic framework that is absent now or something along those lines but i don't think i think he was that was the part at the end that sort of disappointed me because his take on the biden uh, trump administration seemed to be he's on trump himself seemed to be somewhat I mean, he he was very negative on Pompeo and all that. And but, Mattis. Uh, I think he... And Mattis, yeah, which obviously uh, everybody's negative on him. But yeah, uh, he's... Yeah, I was a bit... Yeah, I'm not sure if there is that much difference from Trump times to Biden times. I don't know, but there may be, there may be. And the other interesting thing that he said in that video, this was like a very strategic one. He's like, and yet the reason that I had told uh, Donald Trump, you know, 
to to come out of Afghanistan during the winter is because it, there will be much less bloodshed and you know during yeah, the winter so the, the Taliban the fighters will be like you know trying to stay cozy up in the mountains because of snow they wouldn't have easy access to come out and fight and it would be like the perfect time to to leave uh, to leave Afghanistan but if we said yeah but Biden did it later on towards the end of the summer but I'd I mean that was actually a good point and int- yeah i think that's probably true knowing afghanistan's terrain so yeah but final point on this i mean for someone in who, who was in the u.s military and stuff he was extremely extremely reasonable maybe you don't agree with everything that he says but i mean yeah yeah man it's especially in the mid-level of military and uh, universities all that in mid-level especially you find a lot of good and rational people it's just usually idiots genuine idiots mm-hmm. like uh, Colin Powell uh, rise to the top top positions because poly- for, there is that thing first of all you don't want to have a military guy that is too independent thinking and all that so they always try to put somebody who's not too uh, too too let's say they tend to be not the sharpest knives mm-hmm. in the tool you know, incompetent. They try to put them usually on top, you know, to avoid uh, them becoming too powerful, potentially cool or something. Also, uh, you know, uh, because mostly, increasingly, and mostly it has become a business and a racket, you put the people from your gang, from your mafia. Again, Mm -hmm. Colin Powell is an example of somebody who has, who failed all the way through to the top of the uh, uh, you know, a State Department, or was he the Defense? Secretary no, he was. He was defense, Secretary of Defense, I believe. Yeah, Secretary of Defense. So you know, just failing up and up and up and up. And up. Yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. It just reminded me of uh, what's no. his, his chief of staff. I forgot his name. The one who always comes the analysis news. Oh yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, he points out a Colin. Yeah, no, he points out Colin uh, Powell being like the one voice of reason, the greatest person in the history of U.S. military. Oh. And we got his... He, was, he, he loves it. The thing was to... I love it. He, 90% of his stuff was just dishing out dirt on other people. In the, yeah, and then that guy, you know, you know him? The, he's the chief of a staff of this, I don't know, state secretary or something. And he was an idiot and a fool and an incompetent. It was an interesting but, character. I forget his name. Bill Biney? No. No. No, no. No, no, no. Ah, I forgot the name. But um, great stuff. I, I thought it was a good. Aaron Matta found an interesting person to, to interview. I, I love the Aaron Matta, but Aaron Matta's angry face is this. <laughs> and then he went down. <laughs> what, do you, what do you base that on? <laughs> yeah, what's your address? <laughs> just, just very, yeah. <laughs> but no then the interview went smoothly after that i should say yeah there yeah, weren't yeah. too many no no it was no but i loved his angry face it was like this a stoic like hero from movies that yeah but yeah, uh, please continue. 
No, that that was uh, yeah. that was all we had on that. Now I'm gonna make a slight change to our sort of programming because I think it makes sense. Going to be talking about Afghanistan in Middle East, not much of an update. Iranian nuclear talks restarted, and then there was first some negative news coming out. Yesterday, some positive news coming out from the French and Iranian sources. So this charade is continuing, and I think it's going to continue for a while, for another month or so. And then they're going to probably have some piecemeal deals or short-term deals or something Mm -hmm. like that. I doubt anything big will come out of this. So uh, that happened. There were some uh, bombings in uh, Gaza. Uh, Israelis bombed Gaza because there were some clashes. So they decided to pretty much like flatten a neighborhood or something. <laughs> somebody threw a stone, kill everyone. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the reaction was somewhat, you know, strong. In Kazakhstan, there was a God, yeah, like it was there? really strange. Yeah, Kazakhstan, uh, they fuel prices went up mm-hmm. significantly, and. Uh, uh, you know, Kazakhstan is considered was considered to be the success story of Central Asia in terms of 100%. avoiding bloody revolutions or ethnic conflicts that tended to happen in those countries. And but the but obviously it was a dictatorship and one of those comedy dictatorship as well. So that you know the name of Astana, the capital of Kazakhstan, was changed to the name of the dictator, and. Ah, you know, like it's like the, the Turkmenistan president is the master of that. I believe he changed one of the months of the year to his mom's name. Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, but, but anyways, uh, I mean, but to be fair, though, he's considered to be one of the more like constructive dictators, the guy in Kazakhstan. I believe, uh, what's his name? I don't know. His, his dictatorship is very constructive. It's like, you know, his criticism is very constructive. <laughs> but I believe uh, Oliver Stone even made a documentary about him. And Kazakhstan was like considered to be one of the, you know, better ones. But inequality, obviously, and all that. And then this petrol price surge led to a significant, uh, you know, uh, clashes. 10 people died from uh, the mm-hmm. clashes and all that. And then it escalated even further uh, and Russian troops were called in. Oh, so really? Kazakhstan called in. Yeah, yeah. And Russian troops arrived. And now the uh, just today, they and the president announced the country is back in order. But it's not clear. There are still seems to be some reports of uh, clashes. Uh, for example, Al Jazeera reported Kazakh leader tells troops to shoot without warning. Um, it sounds, I think they're, this is, sounds very edit- editorial to me, but probably he said that you should shoot uh, at uh, rioters, not protesters. Probably, I assume, but Al Jazeera is putting it in this way. But yeah, uh, th- there are reports that uh, yeah, there is continued uh, uh, what do you call it? Continued when government continued suppression, continued okay. suppression, suppression of the protesters and all that by Russian troops and Kazakh forces. Uh, but I would assume, even if that does happen, they probably walk back some of the price increases and all that. But so, for now, it seems the guy is staying in charge. So it's an oil-producing country as well, right? And Kazakhstan to a certain extent. 
or do they have natural yes, gas? Yes, or, yeah? uh, gas. So yes, yes. they removed I subsidies think it's or something, I'm guessing, right? Uh, yes, I, I don't know actually. I don't know if they removed subsidies, but I assume it's a yeah. I would assume that's the reason. Because by the way, you had the same thing in Azerbaijan. There has mm. been some uh, unrest because there was the price of bread went up because mm. government subsidies were cut. But in this case, I'm I'm just looking at my note right now. I can't see if this the, the specific reason. But the was, consequence is the uh, same <laughs> in any case. However, they do it. Yeah, whether yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah hike the prices or whether yeah they remove some government form of sanctions and not sanctions subsidies and help yes i mean that's how oil prices are kept low i believe in most oil producing countries right like the government foot some of the bill right one way yeah exactly uh just um as i'm reading i'm getting some details about 2200 people have been uh detained so you know uh it seems and i'm looking and 18 police uh, like security forces have been killed and Mm -hmm. about 800 have been injured so it was quite a significant clash uh especially for kazakhstan but yeah it seems but the whole russian troops coming in is quite interesting Mm -hmm. definitely yeah it was seeing some stories here and there but I was waiting for you to kind of <laughs> break down what's going on in Kazakhstan for now it's not much of a breakdown I admit but oh and uh, although I, I must say yeah initial overview I would say uh, that I believe the prime minister if I'm not mistaken uh, I think I think the, if I'm not mistaken they changed the prime minister because the dictator that I'm talking about, he actually retired, right? He had the guy who he was his heir, heir apparent takeover, uh, you know, but he sort of kept a ceremonial position as father of the nation. So I think maybe the guy who took over and stuff him have changed now. So yeah, sorry about my lack of clarification in this matter. No, no worries. Um... What else? Now we have Ethiopia, huh? Some more. <laughs> uh, no, yes. Now I yeah. Let's go to some more substantive stuff. Ethiopian mm. war continues. And interestingly, the Tigrayan forces seem to be on a retreat now. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike uh, about a month ago, which it seemed that they were uh, almost setting up a siege um, to the to the uh, capital uh, of Ethiopia. And interestingly, uh, uh, Abi Ahmed said that uh, is like uh, has sort of signaled some sort of more reconciliatory sort of tone, and he said we should reconcile and let me reconcile. Uh, he basically has called for truce and called for reconciliation weeks after defeating the uh, troop the, the rebel groups. Uh, oh, oh, but at the same time, you had also air strikes happening at refugee camps in Eritrea, and which nobody has claimed. But mm. they say Ethiopia is the only one with air power. But I thought Eritrea was on the side of Ethiopia. So the whole thing is very confusing at the moment. But Katie Alper had Rania Kalikon, who was in Ethiopia, 
And yeah, she had a great, uh, yeah, she had a, a great uh, stories from there. I feel like she was a bit influenced by the place she was, mm-hmm. the capital. Uh, she was, I mean, it's not that I generally agree. And I think in this case, the central government are the better guys, you know, or the least bad guys yeah. or whatever. But I, yeah, I think she was a bit a slightly too positive on that. But uh, it was a great video and she directs you to a lot of sources that you can find good information on. So it was fantastic. And Leslie uh, was there, the co-host of um, Katie Alper. That was great. So Yeah, no, that was good. And she gave like, you know, she gave a proper history of the Tigrans and really explaining, you know, because sometimes the word rebel, when we use it in like the Western context, you know, you think it's like this small minority well maybe small but yeah like you know they don't have much power or anything and she really contextualized you know how powerful um the tigres have been been, and they were in power and you know everything that's that come from there yeah it seemed like a bit like i mean the one point that got to me but then again i don't know any facts and stuff it just made me about this specifically it just made me think that it was just a bit too positive on that side she's like you know like um, the prime minister, when he came, he opened up space for not only people in his political party, but other political parties. And I spoke to people who were like, oh, who previously had to you know, leave the country, but now they were able to come back and they're not even part of his party. And it just kind of made me think, well, you know, perhaps, of course, if you wanted to gain, you know, his position in, in government, maybe he needed for it to be like, you know, a more diverse coalition. So maybe, you know, maybe so kind of to his advantage that you know other other parties also flourish a bit more if he's going to get into power that's kind of the only thing but yeah overall i mean you know it's a yeah it was surprisingly i think leslie had the best take uh, when he said that yeah he was their guy because he did come out of the coalition that uh, was the the party that was the one party rule that was majority dominated by tigray he was their guy and now he's third. Like it's such an internal conflict mm-hmm. among elites, you know. So no, there is yeah, exactly. The rebels are not necessarily the, you know, the downtrodden here. Yeah. And yeah, she of course contextualized the the country. I can you know it's a quite a big and powerful country, and um, in Africa, landlocked as well. Very, so very yeah, a lot important. of yeah. She didn't discuss one thing. I mean, uh, sorry, maybe she did discuss. My bad because. Um, I listened to the first 30 minutes um, of it, but she didn't discuss, I don't know how much longer her part of the interview went on, but she didn't discuss what I had heard that apparently the central government had called on the Eritreans to also come and fight against the Tigrans in the, in the Tigray region. I didn't catch she does that. Mention does that, come that up? She mentions that Muhammad Abiyah is, Muhammad? Did I change? Ahmad Abiyah is the guy who, sorry, is the guy who brokered the peace deal with Eritrea and some of the people from uh, TPLF, Tigray, whatever, they are not happy about that peace deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, the, and he talks a lot about Eritrea and how they are doing a lot of good things that Ethiopia is importing some of the techniques there. So I think he, she does mention that the potential relationship with Eritrea, uh, Ahmed Abiy and Eritrea might be another reason for the war and, you know, their role in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. There were reports that they are, they are fighting on the side of Ethiopian government, but it's not clear or th- those reports are not verified. So, 
But yeah, okay. Great. I must say, I I do take issue generally with the thing that, uh, I mean, Iron Matter, any kind of like this, like going somewhere though, I don't necessarily, I don't know. I don't feel like going somewhere really adds much to the whole thing. I, I don't know. If, I mean, I, I think it, well, I mean, going and seeing like parts of something definitely adds, but just like you said, it doesn't mean that perhaps it makes even your picture more complete. And it could, you could argue, introduce other biases based on where you go and who you speak to, right? Because, I mean, she, of course, didn't go all over the country and speak to every single person. Not that that's feasible. So, I mean, I'll meet you that way on that, which is that, you know, it could introduce other biases. You could see things. And a lot of the things and ways that she discussed, you could argue that, you know, you could get that through um, reading reports and things that have been um, that have been already reported from there. But, you know, they went and also got, um, I believe, some, you know, um, in, in new original you, footage and all this. Don't you think it sometimes can even be bad? It can skew your view? Yeah, I know. That's kind of what I was um, trying to say. It could, oh. if you put too much, I would say if you put too much, um, you know, too much emphasis on what you had seen or too much exactly importance on the specific part and things that you had seen, right? Yeah, exactly. Because you never oh, go there yeah, and get no, to sorry, see like, everything. Yeah, right? exactly. That's Yeah, and even if you do, it's just like changes every day. So yeah, that's why I, I'll get back to that because there is a segment, hopefully we do, that, uh, yeah. I might come back to this matter. All right, Sam. So let's move on to our quick hitters. So as I've told you before, I stole again this name of the segment from my favorite MMA <laughs> podcast from Showtime. But I think it's a good idea where we go over, you know, some other things that we watched that weren't able it's to a, turn into a big story. It's an homage. It's yeah, yeah it's, uh, that's better. Exactly. It's an homage. Where we it's go. It's an homage. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> so thank you, Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell, and everybody at Morning Combat. <laughs> I reset. I'm still waiting for one of our viewers to watch that. I've been dropping the name of this podcast for a year. <laughs> no one's ever reacted to it in yeah. the comment section. <laughs> in your solo advertisement projects. <laughs> Come on. But okay, let's start yeah. off with... Chris Hedges and Kyle Kalinsky. So Chris Hedges went on the Kyle and Crystal and Kalinsky and Ball um, podcast. And they and, talked about... And, and friends. <laughs> and, and friends. Uh, <laughs> it's like you're there. <laughs> and that podcast, I guess, it had its one-year anniversary. So congrats on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They started, I remember exactly, they started the new year last year. But yeah, so they talked about Kyle's favorite topic third party <laughs> so do you want to give an overview of a little yeah, bit everyone yeah, it it, i'm great. sure the vanguard did a segment it's been chopped up yeah, kyle yeah. himself put the part on his channel and everything of course and and yeah it, it was great because he did like it was yeah he, he i think he expected chris just to be somewhat more sympathetic to him <laughs> because his big thing is he thinks third parties are basically Uh, a full errand, yeah. largely, uh, yeah, and then uh, the but the way to do it is the Bernie Sanders tried, you know, the way to, you take over the party from within, type thing. But Chris Hedges, in his very self-serious and manner, no, that's hopeless. The other way is hopeless too, but it's less <laughs> hopeless. And 
you know, no, Democratic Party is a lost cause. Bernie Sanders after 1996 was pretty much a sellout. So yeah. no. And then Kyle is just, at first he's like that, and then he slowly, slowly just goes to his chair. Like, okay, <laughs> all right. Crystal, take over. His all right, chair. Okay. I mean, you kind of have a similar chair, oh. but I feel like sitting on like a couch for dinosaurs or like a chair for dinosaurs, the chair that hey, Kyle hey. has. It comes like yeah. up until here. <laughs> Hey, you can work in on a lazy chair. But his is like <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is very tall. But yeah, so I, I mean, to be honest, I think yeah, Chris Edges is right. They are both hopeless, probably. But I would say third party is a much better way of doing. And I think, especially as, as a way of leveraging Democratic Party to adopt something of yours. Yeah, that's his whole thing, right? He's not like um, delusional, Chris Hedges. His thing is, and with Ralph Nader, who he really likes a lot, um, is that, you know, just to get a third party that just has, you know, not like the Green Party, which I agree with Max Blumenthal and everybody else said they're the most useless thing, more useless than us, um, than I've seen. The Green Party in the US, right? Than Democrats, than us? (laughs) Than everything. Just the Green Party is the most, the Green Party in the US seems to be like one of the most like useless, like political, you know, forces forces out there. Although I also like Jill Stein, um, as I think Chris Hedges also pointed out, I like um, Jill Stein. I don't have too much issue with her. But yeah, he just says that, you know, not that a third party is going to come and take over the U.S. and you're going to have a third party president, but just take five to 10 to 15 million voters away from the Democrats. And maybe that will force their hands to, you know, adopt one or two of the progressive leftist policies. So and he's been making that argument forever and ever and ever. So Kyle, um, should have kind of known that that's what Chris yeah. is going to say. Yeah. No, yeah, but 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 I I thought maybe I mean Kyle never really explains why he thinks third party is so much more less than except his uh, analogy, of course, which credit uh, to him, okay. he didn't bring it, he didn't bring it up this time. Oh yeah, the Pepsi your <laughs> love of analogies is just yeah, I mean, he. I think it's about ballot access. I have to read more about the ballot access in the U.S. to actually have a proper, like, informed opinion. But yeah, but the video itself was funny. But I, if it's we are done with the substance, I want to highlight something a bit more <laughs> important than the substance of this conversation. Please. If I swear to God, if Chris Hedges brings up the, his student prisoners one more time. I mean, Jesus Christ, every interview, as I told my student prisoners, as my student prisoners are doing right now, as my student, uh, gee, come on, man, I don't want, like, talk about, stop talking about the student prisoners, students, we don't care about, I mean, we do care about them, but come on, man, like, please. No, he he loves those guys, but... And I mean, it's kind of a nice segue, but it's kind of like, it's a bit of a tunnel vision. You can't view everything through there. Yeah, every example is like my student prisoners as they did the organizing in that city. Oh, come on. Yeah. But yeah, that was oh, I can, funny. I can introduce just every some... interview I see. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. yeah, every interview I see with Chris Hedges is about his student prisoners. 
Yeah, I, I could introduce some substance back into this because I think one part that he talks about is that his students organize with others who are from like Republican or like Trumpists around issues. So that's another thing that he was ah, right. kind of arguing about is just to form coalition about issues and, you know. I, not... Other people can do too. Yeah. It's not just he's a student priest. <laughs> No, but yeah, he's a big fan of his students and gives them, but he just brings them up all the time. I know what you mean. Like, you know, when you told me that, I don't think exaggerating. In every interview, those students brings them up. And it's it's a nice segue, I think, to our next quick hitter, which was about useful idiots. Yeah, so Thomas Frank was, I guess, on Matt Taibbi's one of his last episodes on useful idiots. And those two, yeah. And those two go really, really well. I think if someone could Fantastic. moderate a conversation between Matt Taibbi and Thomas Frank, because Thomas Frank can a bit go like, you know, suddenly on like a tangent or something at times. And even he I himself love- knows it. So if somebody could keep them on it, they really complement each other well. Sometimes they don't agree, but just in a very constructive way. Thomas Frank and Matt Taibbi are a great duo. I think so too. I think Katie Alper was a perfect third Mm -hmm. person as well because sometimes she made jokes that just those two people are too serious to, like they didn't get it and they would continue the discussion and her joke would just, and it was, I would laugh, but they are just, yeah, and then, okay, as I was saying, that's one thing. And then uh, another dynamic that I loved was the same, again, Randy Credico and uh, Roger Waters' dynamic that uh, Matt Taibbi kept agreeing with Thomas Frank and then Thomas Frank was like no 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 I'm not talking about that I'm talking about the other elites and you're like yes I agree with you no no but I'm talking about the other elites the heights and no we are talking about the same people <laughs> it was great it was great fun it was great yeah. substance and Thomas Frank like Chris I just loves uh, like Kansas and views everything through the lens of Kansas so everything was to, had to do with Kansas a lot of Kansas stuff I feel I know Kansas now more than my own hometown I genuinely feel because of reading Thomas Frank's books and his interviews I genuinely feel like if I say Kansasian, I'd be like more at home. <laughs> people from Kansas at this point. Whereabouts in Kansas are you from exactly? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice neighborhood. Uh, nice neighborhood. Back great neighborhood. I heard the about social it. mobility in that neighborhood, yeah. but now it's it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> Thomas told me about your town. He said the you know representative is not good. Is that true? Is he? <laughs> No. Yeah. yeah, everything to do. But it was and, lovely. Yeah, it was a really, really substantive, uh, f- fantastic interview about media and all that. So, yeah, and it was great stuff. And Thomas Frank said he's putting an audiobook version of his book. Uh, what's the matter with? Yeah, Kansas. listen, liberal. <laughs> oh no, I thought he said what's uh, the matter oh, with Kansas. That's the name. That's the title. Oh really? Book, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he I, said I've I never done. Listen. No, that's what I got. I think he said never done an audiobook of it, and I just recorded it. It's gonna come okay. out in the new year. Yeah, and yeah, I, one, I my know. favorite book of his is Conquest of the Cool. I love if he does it. Like if he does it as well, that would be great mm-hmm. because he's good at like engaging voice, engaging. I feel presentation skills. No, no, definitely agree with you there. And one one thing that I got out of there that was interesting that they talked about, which is like this this trap that Democrats and experts fall all the time when it comes into arguments. 
So they say like, you know, it can be an issue. So they give like a very like, you know, typical issue, which is like, you know, we should not only teach like, you know, um, the way that we teach biology in the schools, but we should cover all theories that are out there about like, you know, evolution and biology and all this. And he's like, you know, experts and the Democrats always fall into this trap where they'll bring an expert and maybe and they'll put like expert against like, you know, X or Y parent or someone who is an expert. And the expert will win. Who's much more sympathetic. Yeah. Much more sympathetic. much more sympathetic than an expert. Yeah. yeah. And the expert might win the argument, quote unquote, like on the on the points itself. But the way that it will come off, it will just make the other they lose side. lose the audience. Yeah, exactly. Lose the audience and make the other side even, you know, hate you and your arguments and everything more. Because, you know, you say, oh, I'm the expert this and that. And what do you know? And all this. So. That was a that was that was really interesting, but yeah, there was a lot of great stuff in there. That actually was my. I do think Matt Taibbi in general and Mr. Thomas Frank and the left in general does idolize the average man too much. Mm. I am more of a mind that the those type of people should be you should crush them like completely crush. But that's not constructive. Like, if besides, you want to be constructive, though, if you want to to you know to whatever achieve whatever goal or objective that you want it might not necessarily be the most construct it's like you know when you get into an argument with someone i sometimes try to be like you know yes i agree with this and that that you're saying and you know yes i get what you're coming from and try to like show that you're not hostile to the person as much as possible and not that you think you necessarily know better about everything and anything in the world but just be like this and that i've heard this way and things like that so if you want to be constructive in that way, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right there, but I think, yeah, okay. In terms of discussion and debate, you, you are and they are 100% right. But if you're a government authority, like I don't think this is like, I know it's very unpopular to say parents shouldn't have input in the children's education, but I do think that's probably a good idea. Like, you know what I mean? Like I meant it in more because they talk about education as well. But you are right. When you are doing the discussion and all that, uh, it's yeah more productive to be, yeah, not try to destroy somebody, try to yeah discuss something and get to a point. But I'm not, yeah, I feel like we've just, there is too much, I, I feel like, for example, regarding education, it should be very well regulated and all that. I, I have to agree with the education thing. I mean, I have never thought of that. I mean, until recently, I started thinking about this. But when I was a kid, also, I never heard parents, at least the schools that I went, trying to change the curriculum. Parents have, and I think that's right. If you have issues with the way a kid is treated, you know, by a teacher or something, or like by the principal. But yeah wanting to change the curriculum and stuff and you know i hope one day i won't be a hypocrite and i don't think i'll be spending any of my time when i have kids trying to change the kids if you don't find something that's good you can just supplement it on the side yourself if you have this much time to go and try to fight over the curriculum devote one hour at home and and teach whatever it is that you think that needs to be taught i do find that um very strange who has time to focus on the curriculum wants to change your curriculum and you can supplement it what you learn in school is not perfect it's far from perfect and it can never be perfect nothing can be perfect and you can never make everyone happy and teach 
everything that's useful to this kid and that kid and that one it's i mean look a school until pretty much late high school or university and even then it's basically a daycare that's what it is you don't you're not really learning anything it's or, just so the parents can go work really and uh, it's just this yeah so yeah and socializing as well which is also another important aspect you know you being around oh, yeah, with, yeah. Um, Sorry, with yeah, other kids that. and all this so yeah and then they, they, oh there is the other people too. <laughs> so they, they do exist. teach and stuff but it's never going to be perfect but yeah i guess some people but yeah, yeah. i just think it, it, uh, like education should be in the realm of political uh like you know you should vote when you vote and you elect your leaders then they should set up the education system this sort of doing it community based in my view is very dangerous idea and allowing parents to i don't know it's an yeah, education my system view. with curriculum is different that i can see you know if you're like hey listen why is there no oh, like okay, extracurricular yeah. activities in this school or you know why do you why are you giving this much this many hours why are you keeping there you know why isn't there like this in the school but that's different but curriculum specifically yeah that i find like you know something that's just getting involved in it is probably a waste of time almost i mean yeah definitely agree with that and people aren't yeah. brainwashed in that way i would say you know i mean all over the world kids are exposed to you know religious things and stuff and it's not like you know they become religious or x y and z because of just that they would, heard in uh, school yeah it's not that's the thing it's not just because of a school it's mm. because of community mm. and a school usually reflects that community mm. so yeah but yeah I, i yeah anyways that's but yeah so that was my a slight like a slight a slight point of disagreement with them i feel like sometimes they idolize the average man too, too much i feel but yeah, yeah. But maybe uh, they would just was, say, just to put yeah. a, just to wrap this up. But maybe they would also say, like, we don't also agree that you know parents should have a have a you know say in the kids' curriculum. But maybe it's just not the best political move to come and tell the parents, you know, hey, oh. you don't get a say, and you it's none of your business what's taught um, to kids. You know, sure, that I agree with. Mm-hmm. That definitely I agree with. It's not if you're trying to get elected, like somebody in Virginia, for example. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Either. you should try avoiding saying yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, let's move on. Let's continue. All right. So, um, oh, and now for the new year, I suppose, Katie Alper had Jamie Pecon, the former sort of producer slash co-host of Majority Report. And she was always the one who was the super lefty there. Mm. Uh, so she was great. I really liked her. Uh, like they spoke for a couple of hours, an hour and a bit. And she's doing a lot of new podcasts and shows. So check those out. It was quite interesting. I really enjoyed it. I think they should do a show together. I don't mm. understand why the Jamie Pe- Peck lady, she seemed uh, fantastic. She should do yeah. more shows. I've never really seen her much. Um, I mean, I never watched really majority reports. Yeah, exactly. Or anything, yeah. I had heard her voice sometime on the majority reporters. So that was great. And then we had that fantastic poll that you showed me. So maybe we should discuss that. <laughs> oh yeah, but wait, you skipped the story. The best I think poll I've you seen. don't want to do um, Caleb uh, Maupin first on Primo Radical. Oh, I thought we're gonna do that after, but. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, no, only because then I, we have two breaking point story. That's the only reason I, I said that. Oh, all right. Okay, good. Good. No, uh, so, uh, all right. So I don't know if uh, you had time to check out this video, I think. I sent you a video, Caleb Maupin. This video was suggested to me on YouTube. And I was just like, because I like the Primo Radical guy, even though he doesn't put any effort into it seems he's like in presentation and all that i it seems so like late 80s early 90s neon everything is yeah. it's like it's like it's show is like produced by tron it's really odd but caleb moppin was there and this guy man i i was like where do i know this guy from so i clicked to watch the video and then i googled him First of all, I let you go talk about the fact that what what the fuck is he saying in this video? It's just nonsense, just bullshit, generalized. Now, maybe others understand. I don't understand, but maybe no, that I has understand. to do. It's... I didn't understand a lot of it because he literally connected everything and anything together. I Ooh, found everything. in that video, but <laughs> he he made one point that Every... I understood and I agree with, but that's the only one I understood, to be honest. His main thing is that he's written a book about it, that it's like there are people on YouTube that are uh, financially incentivized to be centrists, but pretend to be leftists. And yeah, duh, you know, but yeah, (laughs) no, no, what a surprise. (laughs) But yeah, and he's calling them bread tube. And then he talks about how everybody, and what I hate about these people a lot is that they talk about how identity politics is bad and blah, blah, blah. And then they go, yeah, this guy washing, and I, everybody who, anybody who has seen this show before knows how I feel about wash. Yeah. Just disgusting. But uh, yeah, these guys sitting in their Beverly Hills houses and, you know, doing these things that are very bad that they make videos and they are not they shouldn't be making money there his dad was a blah his mom was a blah and then the other person emma wickland's parents were lawyers you know it's just and then talking yeah exactly nowadays young people are looking for ideology but left is not it's just connecting as you say like everything to anything and explanation for everything is in just complete nonsense this video with Primo Radical. And then I remember when I Googled him, I remembered where I know him from. This idiot uh, had come to Iran and uh, really? he made some videos about Iran. Yeah, yeah, he came to Iran and then he made videos about, yeah, I went to Iran and I saw a country that has broken free from capitalism. And, what? you know, Stop. this Stop. country... No, I swear Stop. to that. It's broken uh, away from Western capitalism and has forged a new path. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, I think they may have, Iranians may have played a prank on him. They may have just put him in a car as soon as he, uh, yeah, let's, we are, we have broken away from, have you got dollars? Give us the do- dollars. don't mean anything in our country. Our friend will burn them all. He'll burn them all. Just give it to yeah. me. <laughs> Just give it to my. <laughs> it's 
nonsense. Uh, it is, uh, I mean, and yeah, and I saw a nation rebirthing in the water pop. I, sorry, I just went Farsi. <laughs> I got so angry. I went, <laughs> I went full Persian. Uh, yeah, it was so. Yeah, I and uh, by the way, I just the only reason I brought him up and just. Guys, I was looking at YouTube, and this is one of my New Year's resolutions. And there are free lectures by Noam Chomsky. There's Brian Maggie interviewing these like amazing philosophers and researchers and stuff. And what, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I watching this? What is this? Why am I wasting yeah. my life with this? So yeah, I, I was just like fucking. Yeah, I'm gonna try to be a bit more curated about my online content Man. consumption just fun and educational stuff that's funny that you said that and you you know who i've been really into these these political philosophy lectures by uh, let me just get his name yeah, by yeah Ma- I, I michael sugru yeah. michael sugru um i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna by the way include the link um fingers crossed i'm gonna remember if, if someone else is and i haven't just ask i'm gonna include the link to the primo radical video so others can see you know this is our take this is my take that I found that he just connected everything to anything. And I had a really hard time understanding um, everything that he was saying, but yeah, there's some great stuff out there. And yeah, not that this Michael Sugar guy that I just mentioned everything I say agree with, but he, he has been really enjoying listening to his political philosophy lectures. Yeah. There is so much great content that is like at fucking like PhD level content, you know, I mean, forget about books that you have to read. So I get that that's difficult. But like, you know, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop doing this, yeah, interviews with like, really, it's kind of like, you know, Crystal Kyle and Balls and friends and enemies and the, all the rest <laughs> uh, sort of situation. Like, what is this? You're interviewing somebody who has like three followers in Japan and has no education. And what well, his contribution has been shit talking for like yeah. 10 minutes. Well, what does it say you about know? us or, then, man, Sam? Should people forget about no, us? Or do we at least try to bring some source of entertainment? That, that's my uh, <laughs> that's response my, to yeah, that. That's my excuse. Uh, do you remember my joke about attention? The pun I made? The pun, I said, you pay attention, yeah. then attention. I mean, this level of comedy is not just, does not happen naturally. And usually it's not for free, but we are giving it away. Because, yeah. because in Iran, we have separated from capitalism. We are forging no, a new That's path. the funniest thing. If he said that, that is the funniest thing I have ever oh, heard. Oh, it is. It is. But, well, I, I think yeah. he said Western capitalism, I think... Uh, so maybe he meant like our Eastern capitalism is so better. I, I don't From what I've seen, it's yeah. literally the same thing. But then again, I've seen that in Adriskin. Uh, he, he was an activist. I mean. And I, uh, among all the other groups that I have generalized in my, uh, I've said I hate philosophers, <laughs> I hate laws. And I don't, any group, of course, I don't hate all of them. But he's activists and activists are generally very... Uh, <laughs> Okay, joking. so that's gonna get us some in some more trouble. But I'll say <laughs> one thing that Caleb um um uh, he said Open? I don't know. Yeah, he said that which I agree with and I understood, which is he said that you know, r- rich people or people who are richer and middle class and above, they have a significantly easier life, which couldn't agree more, and it is hundred percent true. So yeah. I got that out oh, of it. But, uh, no, but yeah, but that's like yeah, I, know. I mean that's 
that's I mean that's why the word rich was richer was yeah. anyway. But, uh, but he talks keeps talking about corporal punishment. Did oh yeah, he that? said yeah because he said that okay he yes, said that um, what's re- going on in America? He said that, yeah some per- like, in America there's corporal punishment and you know these kids living in these, these expensive and good areas they don't scholars. know about that yeah. The way he was describing America was like a hellscape from like a John, Carpen- John Carpenter movie, like Escape from LA or something. Like, what, what's going Yeah, there is in corporal punishment, kids are like chilling, eating it. There is cannibalistic gangs going around. What is going on? Chill out, man. Just but then chill. school seems to have changed so much too. But then he, because, and yeah, maybe that is how the US is. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there are examples, the US, but I yeah. doubt. But then he said in these richer but I doubt areas, it's so widespread. But this was my favorite. Hold on. He's like in these richer areas, kids probably don't even have to call their teachers Mister and Miss. They probably don't even need to ask permission to go to the bathroom. Schools seem to have really <laughs> changed <laughs> since we graduated, like 15 years ago. 12, no, ma, ma, years. I have people. I know people who are in their schools. In America, I don't know. It's just so weird the way he talks. Like, yeah, exactly. He's just the bathroom one is funny though. He's like, don't even have to ask permission <laughs> to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to think twice before sending uh, my kids to school if any of these that, things are fair. true. <laughs> to be fair, schooling is the way. <laughs> to be fair, the bathroom is the one thing actually you shouldn't be asked yeah. for, because it's sort of a natural. Thing. Well, I mean, you could ask. Being denied is different. <laughs> you don't want people just walking in. Yeah, being denied—that would be crazy. No, that would be distracting. Yeah, that. But I, yeah, but I would say as a sort of a like a Tommy Wiseau movie, you know, as a sort of a car crash or a, a burning uh, garbage stuff, it's fun to watch because he's very intense we have to come we are still all learning all the working mm-hmm. class is learning we all have to learn and get better and then we can go and do things so uh yeah it was quite fun to watch but you know substantively yeah. what the hell and yeah let's watch some good lectures from now <laughs> plus us but yeah let's move on to this breaking point uh, awesome. poll which i mean Last time I, you know, criticized their polls a bit. Some of our commenters came after us. I tried to respond, but this poll, I think everybody, including Fish Hunt fourteen, who had the highest comment when I took the screenshot, who had the uh, best comment. Yeah. So the poll says, (laughs) I don't see what the point of this. What is your position on warrantless spying by government agencies? And I think. (laughs) Two percent of the people just take the shit out of it. Put they support four percent. Put unsure, but thankfully, thank thank God, whoever you want to thank, ninety four percent opposed it. And the first comment, the main one, says, I "What's your that. position on being castrated by a meat grinder?" <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> I mean, I find that that's better. That's a better poll. That's actually there may be somebody with a fetish or something that might, yeah. yeah it's gonna cover three percent of population. Well, I love the. I mean, I like nobody does the proofreading or editorial or anything in this organization or but this I, whatever business. I feel like, like these like polls- warrant list. Like who's like even the people who are doing the warrant list like tapping. <laughs> It, like they have a different theory for their warrants, you know. They say yeah. like I don't know, 
the authority resides in the president or whatever, executive, executive unitary theory or whatever. But this is like, what, do you support, uh, do you support bad guys or good guys? Bad <laughs> guys? I don't know. Biggest, but <laughs> then again, I feel like breaking points, their polls get so many clicks. This one has 121,000 votes. I mean, soon this they're just going to put comedy, a question yeah. mark. Yeah, but I mean, they all get... <laughs> soon, soon they can just write high. High or bye. Five hundred thousand people will vote on this poll. Oh, it, it's like, are you in favor of illegal intervention or not? <laughs> well, what? Of course, illegal. No. <laughs> but yeah, maybe if they put so, the poll to some, I don't know generals or something or i don't know some cia people breaking, more interesting breaking point re- they get really on my nerves especially because they do that weird editing and you know they keep talking about ah, anyways they keep you know they're doing that editing that they leave a couple of seconds of the segments that are oh, behind yeah, the paywall it. to sort of they they're trying to like tease something yeah never that that's why i will never uh, subscribe to them because it's just it feels just such a dickish move yeah yeah i don't i mean i see the technique it's a communication technique but it gets annoying when it's done every yeah. single time every single time but yeah, and, you know and it's this is not the type of contents that this is not a fucking tv show that you have to leave a cliffhanger you know yeah, what i mean it's true <laughs> But we're proud subscribers of Useful Idiots, so that's good. And even without yes. Matt Taibina, with Aaron, still going to be some good stuff, I hope. It should be. The first episode was good, Useful yeah, Idiots. The first was but good. let's move on to this other breaking point story, which at least I found more interesting, which is about Peyton. It's more substance. Yeah, his name's Peyton, the actor. Peyton Oswald. Patton. Okay, so his name is Patton. Patton Oswald. And yeah, so I just listened to the segment. I didn't read his Instagram post or anything. But yeah, apparently he apologized for posting a recent picture, I guess, he took with Dave Chappelle. Did he also apologize for being friends with him? Or did he just mention I've been friends with him for 34 years? No, yeah, he apologized for hurting people. I don't know how anyone can get hurt from a picture of anybody like unless it's a paper cut we are talking about like when you're handling the picture but yeah people apparently felt hurt and yeah it was so sad to see somebody who i really like Patton oswald and another person i really like dave Chappelle. and Patton oswald in my mind somewhat got diminished because it's so sad like why are you throwing your it felt like you shouldn't apologize man it was your friend you took a picture like they are the ones that should apologize if anything for like uh being such and you didn't take a picture with with like an like hitler yeah governmental (laughs) official in charge of a state department or something yeah Yeah. and man but like people expose themselves too much to others and their opinions man you're a well-off guy shield yourself a bit if you succumb to peer pressure in this way i mean for your own good just Talk to your family yeah. <laughs> and like some of your uh, ignore, close friends ignore. and stay away from others. It's for your own good. Definitely, dude. Just ignore and yeah, go. Yeah, just do whatever. Because look, Dave. That's what pretty much what Dave Chappelle does. Not always, sometimes, and it works. You know. Yeah. And others are allowed to give their opinion and stuff. Hey, maybe they tell you apologize yourself. Just 
ignore it just like it's insane you know it's insane there are like there are like some MMA fighters and stuff who like on purpose go and like put their name in Google's mail um, um, email like s- system so every time they like their name is mentioned in comments oh, and in news and stuff notifications so they get it and then they read all this negative stuff I mean sure you don't want to ignore you want to have an idea of what people are saying about you and read the comment section and but just for your own good you need to find some I mean, kind if, of balance if i get rich keep... enough if i get rich enough i would like to live in a floating castle <laughs> and not have to deal with the riffraff that we call no, humanity I mean, but well, you know but that's would... unlikely to happen apparently <laughs> but i mean i would like to know a little bit what is going on of it you know you don't want to live too much live too much in your own bubble i know i'm not no, making I, that you, argument you don't i can wanna... see but yeah yeah exactly exactly But I mean, you know. It's... But yeah, and, and first of all, yeah, either shield yourself or not. Yeah, who cares, man? Just yeah. I mean, if anybody like you should care about what your friends think, yeah. right? If anything, and yeah, that exactly. was, anyways, it was quite yeah. sad. But so yeah, okay. maybe don't surround yourself with yes men necessarily, but yeah, maybe have some real more reliable advisors or someone who can you know tell I, you I when know it's really you, an issue. I don't know why in this segment you keep taking shots at my sort of goals in life which is being surrounded by yes men and separated from rest of humanity but okay i don't know why you party but okay well as Uh, people can see sam and i clash on quite a few things but we managed to remain (laughs) friends and this is brawl this is the brawl part of the segment (laughs) but okay let's wrap it up with a feisty <laughs> bernie sanders so i'm going to put the picture on the screen and i got this from instagram for people for bernie so in 1978 a local vermont newspaper asked folks to share the new year's resolution this was bernie's and as people can see he went he went for it is that in that is, 19- he was in his 20s remember <laughs> he was in his 20s probably then Right, if I'm not mistaken. Um, in nine, no, maybe thirty. No, no, 1978. That would only be 50 years, years, years ago. ago. Yeah, you're right. 52. Yeah, so you're right. He's in the late. In 20s. his early 30s. Yeah. Yeah. He's looking good. So pretty much, it says in 1978, as in other years. I hope I like that. As in other years. So he's not making this year seem particularly in, bad or anything like that. I I like that. I have made. I have made the same wish to Santa Claus since I was seven, and he has refused to bring about social inequality. Social equality, Santa. I have made the same request. It's too funny. I hope to. I hope to be able to place uh, some role in making working people aware that the present-day reality of poverty. Weight slavery and mind-destroying media and schools is simply not the only reality, but simply a pathetic presentation brought to us by a handful of power-hungry individuals who own and control our economy. And as you can see, the media was also bad back in the day. So if I get into an argument with Matt Taibbi, I might pull out this post from <laughs> Bernie Sanders as my evidence that there was no good old day my with the media. A. <laughs> and final exhibition <laughs> my one and only point to go against all the research and book you have done <laughs> is yeah. that bernie sanders have... back then called the media shit so you see it's always been shit <laughs> yeah 
No, I love, uh, yeah, Bernie Sanders, old videos and old comments and all that is just awesome because, first of all, back then he was, like, completely out of, like, the circles of power and all that. Yeah. And just everybody's, like, looking at him mad. And I told you there is this amazing video of him interviewing children. Oh, and, oh, my God, there's one. I didn't, I think, tell you about this, where he talks to children about drugs like he's i think he's talking about cocaine or something and they're like nine he's like guys have you heard about cocaine and they're like no and he's like you know this thing and the kids uh, it's just he's so serious man he's talking to you know this drug that has been created and it's illegally you can take it and some people do that it's very bad and they okay you know and the money has been used to funnel to go to death squads in Central America. And this is what is happening. It's just, Jesus Christ, man, calm down. It's just his oldest stuff with kids is just the best. It's the best thing. It gives you a dose of reality no matter who he's talking to. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, Bernie Sanders is Jewish. If Can you make a wish for Christmas if you're Jewish? Uh, good question. But I mean, oh, you that's know. New Year. That's New oh, Year. true. It is New Year. And you know. So, and yeah, uh, exactly. It's New Year, so, so never mind. Uh, that's why all my wishes have never... Because <laughs> I always make a wish on Christmas and it's just no, it's only it Christian exclusive. <laughs> yeah, I have, I'm always six days early. <laughs> six, seven days early. <laughs> nice. But okay, good stuff. I think we had fun. My internet managed to hold up, so I'm glad we managed to record the full thing. And we shall be back with another yeah. episode in a week. And we got a bunch of little segments here that chop up and post during the week. So please leave your laundry list of criticisms for all the bullshit that we list down below. I'll make sure to get to them. I think I can take it. I think I can take it. All, and then the, other- bits, all the bits that you want to criticize me for are jokes. So... <laughs> just saying that i don't think so (laughs) thing goes far beyond that but okay thank you for watching please like and subscribe and we'll see you in our next video thank you